you know, either pooping or a tooth is coming or he's pooping a tooth. You know, there's something yeah, coming yeah. out of him. It's happening all kind of us. Of, Welcome back to Real Rotten Radio. Steven, you've got 20,000 people listening to you right now. This is your podium. What do you have to say? Hey. How's it going? How's it going? That's it. That's it. That's all he had to say. Uh, he, he, he had his moment. It passed him by, and he... What's, oh, what's I'm, just, I'm sorry, I blacked out right there. Um, 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 what what happened? What happened? This is real rotten. The podcast, the definitive podcast for movies. I oh, made 25 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I am Nick, and that the man who missed his moment, the man who held us hostage for uh, for little to no effect, is Stephen Ramirez. Yeah, it's your boy. It's your boy, what's Stephen. Going on? What's <laughs> happening? Nothing important, right? We are back. We are adding a third leg to this tripod. We are. Uh, taking one leg off of the dog that is real rotten and making us the three-legged dog that all the people look at and say wow that's a three-legged dog that's a that's a three-legged dog and our third leg tonight please welcome for the first time on the podcast a a first-time guest in the 162 episodes ryan malley ryan welcome to the podcast hey thanks for having me Yeah, no, uh, uh, um, you know, we're we're here to we're here to welcome you to this uh, to this mad world of of loving um, movies under twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But this is a special day, special month, a, special month. Henceforth, we have a Hall of Fame uh, movie that we'd like to discuss today. Yeah, uh, we're we're kick, finishing off Fraserary, uh, Brandon Fraserary with. Airheads, a uh, a Hall of Fame episode, but we'll we'll get into just how Hall of Fame. That means it's above twenty five percent, but underneath thirty percent, and uh, it's an exception that we make for movies that we feel like we want to talk about that weren't <laughs> quite bad enough to get underneath. So we're we're just gonna do it anyway. But first, we want to get to know you, Ryan. So uh, I sent you some questions. Mm. Your first question. We want to know your movie habits. We want to know where you come from, uh, movie wise. Yeah, got to figure Kinda... you out. You got to catch the scouting report. Yeah, speller. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is your what's your comfort movie? What What are you gonna put on on a on a maybe a rainy day like today and and just want to feel good? Quick second part question: Why is it Forrest Gump? <laughs> why is it Why is it what? Why is it Forrest Gump? Why is it Forrest Gump? Um, it just feels good, man. Feels good. See? Um, yeah. It is. It is Lord of the Rings, actually, uh, oh, okay. which is a trilogy. So usually, um, just the first part. Hey, but okay. I'm lucky enough to have to. Back when I had time before I had kids, I would go all the way and watch all three in one sitting. Yeah, and just just go for it. But uh, yeah, if I have the flu, if I'm lucky enough to be like feverishly ill, yes, then yes. I, I will. I will put on Lord of the Rings and just go for it. Uh, there, there's no better comfort. feeling 
There really is no, no. better feeling going in at outer fever dreams and uh, in mm-hmm. between movies. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, if you yeah. wake up right at the part where he's he's also waking up in uh, uh, in Rivendell, in Rivendell, <laughs> yeah. and and you're yeah. like, oh wow, <laughs> this, is, this is yeah, pretty great. See uh, and see scary Bilbo face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm actually just a really big Peter Jackson fan. Peter Jackson, early early Peter Jackson in particular. You love your your Meet the Feebles. Your I do. Uh, uh, Red Dead or whatever the the zombie film is. Dead Alive. Dead Alive, and then the uh, I, the cannibal movie. That's Dead Alive. Oh, is that oh wait, alive? no, no. There's uh, Meet the, Meet the Feebles, Dead Alive, and uh, there's another one. Yeah, it's where they're aliens. Um, mm-hmm. uh, bad bad taste. Oh, bad taste. Yeah, bad taste. Sounds like yeah. you have to have bad taste to be into some of those early Peter Jacksons, but I, I'm with you on yeah. the Lord of the Rings <laughs> fellowship but, of the ring uh, and my axe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Also there's uh, um which is a really great one is the frighteners with Michael Frighteners. J. Fox, which is what is not For- that early Peter Jackson, but that was like his gate. You know, that was his, his step into the Hollywood world. And uh, no, I don't think a lot of people know that the frighteners was Peter Jackson. Yeah, under uh, underrated film. I feel like that was a future contender at one point. Or at uh, least I it's sixty-seven percent on Rotten gotcha. Tomatoes. Right. A, mm. a, a, a damn classic, I guess you it's could good. say. It's it, a good movie. It, it supernatural was a comedy horror film directed by Peter yeah. Jackson. Okay. Oh yeah, starring really Michael J. Like, Fox, by the way. Yeah, Michael yeah. J. I feel like that movie. Yeah, it doesn't get enough love. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. That movie I have, I have seen too many times on network television. That was like a, a Channel Two oh, the Fox, uh, uh, special special Sunday was watching the Frighteners over well, and over you know, again. What's weird is like I realized that Airheads is actually one of those for me because oh, yeah. it was on constantly yeah. for a, a certain period of time on like Comedy Central. I think it was a and Comedy Central staple. I was trying to re- I was trying to uh, remember why. I had such a sweet spot for this movie and then I rewatched it and I was like, Oh yeah, I know so many lines from this movie. My friends and I used to like quote it uh, pretty often, especially uh, well, we'll get into this later, but yeah, yeah. where 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 you're, you're, you're jumping, jumping down to name. Yeah. One, what, speaking of yeah. airheads, a DVD that I've bought multiple times in the $5 bin. It is the, it's the perfect, <laughs> it's the epitome of a $5 movie is airheads. But what's one, what's one DVD yeah. that you have bought? Uh, Dark City. I bought Dark City. Ah, uh, Dark wow. City. Yeah, wow. Dark yeah. City. But I mean, I've actually bought a lot of DVD. I think I'm a little older than you guys, so I've, I've actually purchased. You remember the or... you remember the first DVDs <laughs> when, when, I, they, when yeah. they introduced you had Laserdisc. You were you were Laserdisc I, guy at first. I wish that I had been Laserdisc. I used to go to my buddy's house and watch Laserdisc, and it was the coolest. And I saw I saw some really great stuff. Um, was it hard to hear the movie over like the whirring of the laser disc player? <laughs> the giant Walkman. Did it take no, two years to close the disc? Well, anyone who had a laser disc player had like an audio system to go along with it that would just blast <laughs> your face off. So, yeah, there was uh, no problem. Yeah, yeah we, like we, it over. we had VHS players that you had to you had yeah. to have like a special rewinder that you would do mm-hmm. just to, just to rewind it it super fast. Yeah, that was, that was pretty great. Yeah. Well, back when I was growing up, we, you know, we would go and rent the uh, the VHS player from Blockbuster, and then you'd have to rent the rewinder because the VHS player they they rented didn't have it, so you'd have to do a two part rental. Mm. And by that time, you could only afford one 
one VHS tape. So Blockbuster, way to fumble that bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Corner of the market on on the player and the and the and the item in question that you Yeah, played. I was more of a Hollywood video guy. Yeah. 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 HVID. HVID. Um they didn't they didn't have that where I was from. Name an actor or actress that you love, Ryan. Um, I'm gonna get real, real basic here and just say Paul Newman. Beautiful man, uh, a man so good looking that he that he put his face on dressings. Yeah, salad dressings. Yeah. Yeah, salad dressings. <laughs> delicious pasta sauce, <laughs> delicious vinaigrette. Go it's wrong. good. Yeah. It's good too. You know, it's good it quality. Yeah, he would just put his face on anything. Yeah, and it's all charitable too. Yeah, you know, first guest, first guest Ryan, and first time we've ever mentioned Paul Newman on this podcast. So, wow. uh, you know, <laughs> wow. a lot of, lot of yeah. firsts yeah. today. Yeah, I think Paul Newman is probably uh, not mentioned often in the movies that you guys are. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you under twenty-five. Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of movies, what's one of your favorite movies of all time? Um, La Jete. You guys know La Jete? I don't. It's it's the movie that Twelve Monkeys is based on. Okay. Okay. It's a Chris, is it a short Chris film? Marker. It's a Chris Marker film. It's a, it's actually short. Uh, okay. But yeah, yeah, it's the movie that Twelve Monkeys is based on, and and arguably the movie that Terminator is based on. But James Cameron uh, claims to say, or claims that uh, he got the inspiration for Terminator from a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, fever dream uh, at, a, and, at a French film festival. <laughs> right. And the, uh, the fever dream was that there he saw like a robotic torso dragging itself uh, along the ground with like silverware for fingers okay. or something. And then he turned that into Terminator. That's what he said. And then he got sued and uh, had to pay a guy because. Uh, a writer for the Outer Limits <laughs> basically wrote the exactly Terminator, and uh, yeah, so he sued him. Well, James yeah. Cameron, a known truth, known truth teller, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's really original. <laughs> James Cameron is one of the most original uh, writer directors out there. Well, thank you, Ryan, uh, for letting us see deep into your movie soul. And I have some mm. quick movie news before we get going on the podcast. Madame Web, uh, we talked about it on the last one. Speaking of uh, French noir, Madame Web. <laughs> Madame Web. Uh, I just can't stop myself from saying Madame. Is it Madame? How how do you say it, Stephen? It's Madame, like uh, the 1970s puppet from Laughing Madame. Well, it's thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's officially in the territory, and what I, from what I've read, maybe the worst comic book movie in the history. It's twelve percent right now. Uh, worst comic yeah. book movie of all time. <laughs> so we got. It's clear so bad our... they don't have a critical consensus. We're clearing our schedules. We're gonna go see Madam Web. Maybe we'll wait until it's on uh, on streaming. That way, other people can watch it with us. I. Uh, in, I mean, I'm fine with going to the drive-in right now to watch it. In, in other news with it, uh, Dune 2 is good. Uh, sure. Dune it to it again. Um, Dune it to it. Are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised at all. In fact, uh, um, I'm, I'm ready to revisit. I'm ready to do the, the double feature. That's another uh, field trip uh, experience is, is going to do the double feature of Dune. Watching oh, absolutely. Dune part one and part two back to back to backers in the theater. I Ryan, mean, what's your a... thought on Ryan? What's your what's your Dune thought? Do you have any Dune thoughts? Uh, first, how do you pronounce the director's last name? V- Villeneuve. Is it? 
It's Is French. Is that real? It's I say French, Villeneuve. Even though Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Yeah, but but probably, not that. probably not that. Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his. Um, I liked Arrival. Uh, all of his movies have a really great audio. The, the, the sound design for his movies are out of this world. Yeah. I, I mean, literally, they're all like you know, mm-hmm. sci-fi. Hey, oh, but there um, you go. <laughs> but the uh, the sound design for Dune, well, and the I feel like the thing that happened with Dune that was most impressive was they somehow it was very it looked original, and uh, I found it's like super rare for a sci-fi movie to actually be able to like come like come off looking original. Uh, right. It's just it's just been done a million times, and like I was like, holy shit, this looks really good. Like it just, you know. And I'm a fan of Dune. I've read. Yeah, I like Frank Herbert. Uh, Frank Herbert guy, big big Sandhill guy, big worm man. Yeah, <laughs> he's a worm. He's a worm guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a worm. A, <laughs> I saw your face, and I knew you were a worm guy from the second yeah. we uh, yeah started talking. <laughs> you can tell worms. Denis, Denis, a guy we'll never talk about on this podcast in a uh, in a way that's not during our best of the year episode. We keep speaking close of to Dune, our hearts. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of Dune. Yeah, like Dune, Dune, your mom. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Airheads. Uh, uh, yeah, the, brother. <laughs> the film from 1994. Let's get a little taste of it. They may not have courage. I don't want to go to jail. I'm fragile. They may not have vision. What do you think about? Swimming pools. They may not have brains. We gotta send one person out. I'll go. One of the hostages do. Sorry. But they've got everything it takes. God help us all! To be airheads. What's wrong with that? Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler. He doesn't wear a helmet, does he? Airheads. No idea what you're saying right now. Directed by Michael Lehman. Rated PG-13. Parents strongly caution. Sneak preview tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> that movie was that trailer was absolutely cut after Billy Madison had premiered. Uh, this is when that it, it's fully Adam Sandler that the entire trailer. So there's just there's just no way they were like, this is Brendan Fraser's movie anymore. It's over. 1995, well, 1995 hit. And uh, he had the most one liners in the film. So he, I, I think that's did. what they catered towards. And they because Joe Montana had the other ha- uh, half of the half of the zingers. Joe Montana, the quarterback. It's <laughs> uh, <he gets> old. <laughs> oh, do you think they? Do you think they came up with that from this movie? He, you know, from if, work, if from working I feel with like if, I feel like if Sandler and Montana built a good rapport during this film, then he would have made an appearance in the water boat. But I don't think that happened. Yeah. Hence, why it's a Montana joke. <laughs> but wait, what's what's the timeline on this? Like, so uh, Airheads is is Sandler's first film, first true film. Um, yeah. it's it's like. Farley's second or third film. It's Fraser's like fourth, fifth film, and Buscemi's one of his first films too. Yeah, it's one of um, Buscemi's first big like yeah, real real roles in a movie. Because yeah. Brendan Brendan Fraser is, is real young in this. Yeah, he's like real real young. Like he took he takes his shirt off in like one of the first scenes, and I was like, 
Oh, look at his little baby body. Look at him. <laughs> I love that hard he's bo- yeah, hard bodies, he's uh, not ripped. Edition. Yeah, not ripped. Just like no. just a, a flabby, flabby lead guitarist. The one you would think, a, you know, a, a, a metal person should not be shredded. Like if you if you're well, playing metal and you're shredded, then you you have questions about um, white nationalism uh, behind <laughs> you. But but I will say this: Adam Sandler is ripped. Looks like a drummer. Dude, there's the seat. Well, I'm a, I'm a drummer, so I yeah, I'm into that. He's uh, got the arms. Uh, but he there's the scene, you know, where he's he's almost completely he's basically completely naked and he's standing there. It's like, damn, yeah. Adam Sandler is hot. Yeah, he was. It was he was. Uh, nobody's ever said that before. Smoking. <laughs> this is probably peak Adam Sandler hot. There's I just no so. way it's not. Cute as so. can be, a sand. Yeah. Um. Critical rating, critical consensus here on Rotten Tomatoes, 29%. Audience mm-hmm. score, 50. Yes. A little low. A little low for the, uh, for the discrepancy here. I figured this movie would be uh, around 65, 70. That's what, I, that's what I would have guessed as well. Yeah, it's it's split. We have a we have split decision here for for audience one and two. This movie was not a Hall of Fame movie though before the year of our Lord twenty twenty, and everybody was forced to watch old movies over again. And uh, apparently, some of the critics went back into the archives and put in some new reviews because this movie was previously uh, at the beginning of this podcast life in twenty sixteen. It was a, our uh, public record, which yes. you can which you can email to us yes. realrotten at gmail I we have the we have the Google Doc to prove that this was on the short list. We have the Google version documents <laughs> available. This is on the long list. Check the metadata. Uh this was 22% uh before the year 2020. And then it's it's grown in people's estimation. Three positive reviews bumped it up to 2029. So we're happy That's and right, we're dude. sad for the movie at the same time. Yeah. We're happy and sad at the same time. But you know, the uh, the world the world moves on and and, and so should we. Hence yeah, why a- we're not moving on and talking about this film because it's a Hall of Famer. Rotten Tomatoes blurb uh, stated that there's a biting satire that keeps threatening to burst out of the well-cast airheads. <laughs> but unfortunately, the end result lives down to its title in the most unfortunate ways. Um, yeah, my my biggest uh, gripe here is where was the airheads product placement throughout the entire film that was very necessary. Especially for the Kramer character. Uh, I feel like instead of Briar's ice cream, he could have easily eaten some airheads and that would have been the perfect product placement. Damn, where I I I spaced on thinking about the candy airheads. What? But now that you <laughs> That's me- now your that- first thought with this <laughs> now film. That me- now that you mentioned it, I'm just like not one person was taking the end of the airhead and shaking it up so that it turned into a little ball at the other end and then you open it up, pop that whole wad in your mouth. You guys do that with your airheads? Mm-hmm. I, heard <laughs> I that. Have never had an airhead. I didn't hear that, but I never just had an that. airhead. Oh, okay. Uh, never had an airhead. I think I'm going to have to Google it. I don't even know what an airhead is. I know it's a candy. Unbelievable. That I feel uh, like that would have been a peak. Um, that was a peak nineties, two thousands candy. Ryan's a Pennsylvania guy, so maybe maybe airheads didn't make their way out. Maybe it was a California no, thing. <laughs> they were around. I just what what if you they sold for twenty five cents and you bought you bought uh you got five for a dollar and you would always oh, buy man. the the blue the red and the white because the white was always the mystery flavor it was mystery but flavor, the mystery but flavor was always, like was always the same flavor yes. 
<laughs> One of my first, like, most vivid mystery flavor uh, memories that I have is definitely Airheads. Huh. Couldn't go wrong with Airheads. It's really good on the Easily like accessible taffy. taffy. It's like a yes. taffy. It's yes. taffy. It's, taffy. it's, okay. it's a very uh, malleable taffy. It's nothing like a Laffy Taffy or a um, or a saltwater taffy you get at the pier. Um, it is it is all sugar. <laughs> no, no, it's like yeah. a long tongue, you know. It's it's yeah. it's a good it's a good candy. I think it, it's. I think I take it back. I think I take it back. I, I've had a, I've had okay. a head. Not yeah, have you days. played? Have you ever played little league baseball? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I've absolutely had an airhead snack ball. Yeah, but I was big league chew. Mm. Yeah, you're a f- fake tobacco kid. Well, you I was those yeah, candy yeah, cigarettes. Yeah. 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 Sorry to burst this bubble, but hey. I was a fat kid, so of course I got a uh, big league two and airheads and sunflower <laughs> seeds and a hot well, you, dog. <laughs> well, you know what I realized when I was a kid is if you you're chewing the big league two and it runs out of flavor, you you flatten it out and then you put raw sugar into it and then you roll it back up and start chewing it again. It tastes exactly the same. You're just free basing uh, big league yeah. two at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. We, we might we might have to cut that out so big big league two doesn't hear that and know that they're they, it's like putting batteries in the to, freezer to get the last to... bit of juice out of them. Yeah, <laughs> the gig is up. So when you you would take it out of the pouch and you eat a little bit at first and then you would just keep adding to that yeah. until you're chewing the entire yeah. thing in your mouth. The right? entire pouch. Yeah. Yes. And then I would put it on my bedpost overnight. And then I'd wake up in the morning, I'd flatten it out after I warmed it up and I'd pour more sugar in it. And then I would See, roll it up. And this it. is the yeah. life we had before the internet existed. We used to just we used to go to bed with our gum on our side tables and wake up yeah. and then and just get back to chewing gum. See, get right I don't even know it. what the fuck I'm saying. Kids nowadays have no idea. Uh, my blurb is from <laughs> my blurb is from Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. He said, oh, wow. Frazier and. Buscemi are dead delights, and Sandler, opera man on SNL, is a red hot screen find. She like Travers. Uh, Travers first... loved it. He gave it seventy five. <laughs> he loves so many nineties movies. It questions on when he started his Prozac medication. It must have been like ninety three. <laughs> he started taking some uh, some lithium pills. Well, I, I'm happy for him. I'm glad yeah. that he that he uh, he was he was on the Airheads bandwagon when it wasn't cool the to be on the it. Force. Uh, my blurb is uh, is any movie where David Arquette is just hanging out in the background for a majority of the runtime is good in my book. That's from Corey Woodruff of 615 Film. Was that a shot at David Arquette or is he just happy to see David in a movie? He loves <laughs> David in a movie. He loves David not as the not as the main actor, but as like eighth banana. You know, I, <laughs> I'll, second, I'll second that opinion. I think David Arquette is a very valuable background actor. <laughs> didn't do too bad in this film uh ryan what's your blurb uh mine's from betsy bod's deck okay and it goes uh while airheads never quite delivers on its clever premise it definitely could have been a lot worse that's a painless painless review that's exactly yeah, right because i totally feel there she is she's from dvdjournal.com nice. <laughs> uh a reputable publication I mean um, that's that's where we used to we used to journal all of our DVDs. That's the other thing kids don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and all they all they do is letterbox everything. <laughs> I I really do feel like she's she's hit the nail on the head there. You know, it's the premise. They could have really done more, but it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. No, absolutely. Uh, a guy who loved it, uh, bringing up our notable critic of 
of the episode. Roger Ebert didn't get around to Airheads, which is just a crime because I really need to know what Raj thought about this movie. Um, but I guess we'll he, never know. Yeah, he he said that he would rather the only the closest I got to finding one was he would rather watch a Chris Farley marathon um, than X movie and Airheads was included in the marathon. So I guess he maybe he liked it. Um, but we're going we're going to our home critic. We're going Mick LaSalle. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. It's Mick LaSalle. Uh, that's that's the guy for this one. And he wrote. A spoof of heavy metal culture that at the same time respects the vitality and pent up passion behind it. He loved it. <laughs> loved Mick, it. Mick doesn't like a lot of movies. So this is this is a good. This is a good sign. He he loves the angst. He loves the power to the people. Um, he loved the whole uh, Brendan Fraser, Rodney King. Rant. Well, yeah, he. this is keep in mind. This is like the 90s in San Francisco. This is probably peak like. Best time to be in San Francisco. Him and Spalding right Gray were right like before this. Before you son. get all the Silicon Valley guys and people are running around the marina, you know. Laura Lenny was telling everybody how much weed. a how much a cappuccino was the most amazing thing ever. Uh, Mike Myers was doing beat poetry in the in the marina district. It was a great time. <laughs> Ryan was there. He understands. Airhead celebrates. I, the, I was there. Yeah. yeah. The purity and completeness of rock and roll fanaticism, implying that it can be a healing thing, or at least a great way of embracing life. He's it all has, in. There is there is a gender. Did Mick this... LaSalle start Ozfest? Let's start this. <laughs> let's start this argument right now. I feel like he was really integral in in uh, getting KSJO off the ground and, and saying "fuck you" to K Fog. <laughs> Me and Ryan are the only ones that'll get that choke. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> K Fog. Uh, Old, your dad, you're not your dad's radio anymore, everybody. Hell yeah, we play Dave Matthews. <laughs> um, speaking that of, I was uh, in the Far East space, so we didn't get we didn't get all the cool no, uh, that San was Francisco all stations, you know. No, you no, we did. We got the best station ever, Nick. Don't say that because we got KVHS one hundred four point one, the Hawk ninety point five, the Edge, brother. Ninety oh, point five, yeah, the yeah, edge. yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible music. Um, speaking of incredible things. Let's. I had it open. Let's. Nick to the facts. It's time to it's do time. the facts. Let's do it. <laughs> Directed by Michael Lehman, uh, who did Heather's Truth About Cats and Dogs and Hudson Hawk, and then has done a, a litany of TV afterwards. But Brian, have you seen Hudson Hawk? I, I feel like there's not a I lot have. of our audience has. Okay. I have uh, seen Hudson Hawk. I've seen uh all those well, there's two out of three. I have not seen the truth about cats and dogs. Oh wow, that's that's a Nick that's a Nick all time. Uh, I've absolutely pop-pop. seen Truth by Cats and Dogs, but I only just recently watched it in the last couple of years. Um that's a movie that pretends like Janine uh Garoppolo isn't super hot. <laughs> They're just like Wait yeah, a minute. She, I think I did see control. it now that you're mentioning it. Yeah, it's oh, her. Yeah. She's Uma like a Thurman. radio host. Yeah. yeah. Good uh, film. Good film. That uh, that's good. That's a good uh, double feature with uh, a future contender that we might do this year. Uh, Lost and Found with David Spade. Oh, uh, has to do with the dog. Yeah, pretty good. I know the cover of Lost and Found. Yeah, it's it's. I know exactly what you're talking about. Do the Bad Cats and Dogs is a good movie though. Good movie. Sure. Heather's is good. Heather's Wait, is so awesome. That- yeah, Heather's Corn awesome. Nuts. I remember the first time I watched Heather's. I was just like, they're allowed to do this. I love my dead gay son. Uh, Ryder. 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just stuck on the truth about cats and dogs. I'm I'm out. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> His mind is blown. You're you're getting you're getting mind freaked right now. Well, I'm like, is Janine Garofalo the hot one in this movie? Is that what's going on? She's Uma the is. not. She's the not one. Uma, Uma Thurman is. She's like Cyrano, right? She's Cyrano de Bergerac, basically. Yeah, she she's the one who who writes all the good stuff for Uma Thurman, who can't talk to a guy but is super tall and hot. Gotcha. Who's the guy? Uh, Dermot Mul- Mulroney. I don't know somebody like that. Um, some guy named Ben Chaplin. Sure. Uh, no wonder this didn't work. Yep. Need it. Need a need a stronger guy. Where was uh Where was our guy? Gene Garofalo, though. You know, can't. Not a bad ben thing to Chuck. say about her. Jamie Foxx. Jimmy Foxx. Two Sporting X's. Yeah. Speaking of two X's, uh, this movie was written by Rich Wilkes, who wrote Triple X. Wrote, created Triple X, got all the credits for, for the uh, for the subsequent movies. Yeah, he co-wrote got, The uh, Dirt. Co-wrote The Dirt. Uh, Haven't the, seen The Dirt. Another musical uh, feature, who which I've heard is, is decent. You know, I'm not going to watch it, but somebody will. Heard it's okay. And then notable crew, we got John Schwartzman, who uh, works for Michael Bay a lot, has been the cinematographer for all of Michael Bay's movies, and then also was nominated for an Oscar for Sea Biscuit, my yeah. favorite film. My favorite film about a horse. Oh, you except for haven't seen aside from War Horse, aside from War Horse, Black Beauty, better than Black Beauty, better than Black Beauty. Uh, what about what's that? The spirit spirit stallion of the Cimarron. My sister, <laughs> if my sister was right next to you, she'd stab you in the chest right now for saying that spirit. I tell her to fucking bring it on. Uh, <laughs> only Oscar winner that I could find in this film, Brendan Fraser. Obviously, the Fraseman. Uh, a yeah. lot of nominees, though. You, you, you can't count nominees. out the nominees, but but B Phrase took home the Oscar gold, Oscar Goldman, and that's why. He's in this category. He's, yeah, he's, which is why Oscar we're calling uh, Airheads. An Oscar Award featuring movie. Yeah. Yeah. Featuring Academy Oscar. Award. Academy That's Award. The new, the new uh, poster will feature uh, featuring Academy Award winner. Featuring ben an Fraser. Academy Award winner. <laughs> they Those just retro re- Academy Award poster, trailer, yeah. uh, posters. Yeah. Actor wise, we got Brendan Fraser as Chaz. Steve Happy Buscemi as Rex. Adam Sandler as Pip. These, these are the three, the three leads that we got going on. Right. Um, all the different points in their career, we we'd already talked about it. We also had Chris Farley, Michael McKean, Judd Nelson, Ernie Judd Hudson. Nelson, yes, Amy Lo Amy Locaine, Nina is Nina 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 Shamashko, Nina Shamashko, Nina Shamashko, who is in the West Wing. We need to Great. shout out uh, our classic West Wing shout out. We should all we should just categorize that every movie we seem to do has somebody from the West Wing. I mean. <laughs> Just tells you, just just goes to show, you know. West wings of a feather. There's your category name. There we go. Whenever, whenever, take a drink if you ever have a character that's on the West Wing. David Arquette, Michael Richards, Joe Montana, and that's not even all. All of them. We got some cameos: Kurt Loder, Harold Ramis, Lemmy, Mike Judge, his voice, and Rob Zombie. All I'm surprised there wasn't more um, musicians. Like if this was a true L.A. rock and roll movie, there, you know, there'd be a lot. of. I think there were they were, but they were more D-less. They were probably like some just like local punk band guys. Um, the the, the bassist from Faster Pussycat. Um, <laughs> yeah. All, that, all those guys. Ricky uh, Ryan, where are you on the genre of power slop? Uh, I haven't actually. Were you ever? Were you ever? Musically, 
punk rock guy yeah um i kind of been all over the place musically uh at this point in in my life i was into classic rock when this movie came out oh, nice. uh i was i was like 14 were you really so into I, america no i was not i was very anti-america was oh, very, anti-america. Was like, oh okay kind of like yeah, all the gen z is right you now. didn't like horse with no name that was a classic song you know i did well i listened to classic rock uh radio but uh yeah, kind of like I grew up skateboarding, so it's kind of like a I had a punk mentality, but really enjoyed um, the classic rock. But at the same time, I was listening to Jane's Addiction, and it's weird, man. In Pennsylvania, at that time, uh, we listened to like The Smiths and Public Enemy and Easy E, and like we were just listening to absolutely everything. Uh, but I really like Jane's Addiction, and Jane's Addiction was concurrent with. Uh, Guns N' Roses, which is really weird to think of. On the strip in Hollywood, those two bands were playing the same clubs, which is really a trip to think about uh, for me. But yeah, Power Slop, uh, I, I can't say I like it. And if that's really even a genre, is that really, is that real? Is that really a thing? Why don't you verify that there, Factual Nick? There's a good bit in the movie, at least. I don't know, about, yeah. I don't know how real it is. Probably not. Well, like real. all the sludge well, metal is a real thing. thing. I get. I have. I have. I want to talk about this later. <laughs> sludge music is a real thing, I must say. And uh, sludge is definitely a real thing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's where they get the power slot uh, uh, reference from. We'll I mean, get more well, into like, the actors. White zombies in this, and there are what industrial, quasi-industrialist. Uh, uh, they God, I hate. Metal. I hate white zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Why? He's got dreadlocks. Up. He's quirky. Well, White Zombie is just a ripoff of Ministry, which is just such a bummer. Yeah. Well, anyway. Ministry is also as problematic as White Zombie. No. They, sure <laughs> they, sure, they sure are. Speaking of a problem, release date for this movie, August 4th, 1994. So, 30-year anniversary coming 30 up 30-year anniversary, summer. yeah. 30 wow. years since Holy era. shit. Oh, yeah. my God. Still young yet? Wow. Uh, rated PG-13. Wow. Runtime, 92 minutes. 92 like minutes. It. Gotta love it. Gotta didn't love, love it. Didn't, didn't hate the, the two-minute overlay. Uh, it was necessary, especially showing them in prison. Spoiler alert. Yes, we are We are home of the the, the Hard 90 podcast. We, we love a 90-minute movie. We love a 90-minute podcast. And two minutes over, acceptable. Acceptable. Absolutely. Yeah. Plot keywords are hostage, rock band, water pistol, air duct, and SWAT team. All uh, right. Uh, for for the for the freaks that are into all five of those things, we found the crossover. We found the Venn diagram for you, and I'm I'm happy for them. Uh, tagline was this is the the best tagline. There was five to choose from, and this was by far the best one. It was the music, the legend, the hostage situation. So, yeah. are they referring to legend as like the story of them holding the radio station yes, hostage, think, or as so. a person? I think so. Okay, I was thinking this as a singular person. Yeah, it's good, but not great. So I think maybe we're going to have to uh, hit Madison Avenue. It's time to uh, come up with a new tagline for the movie Airheads. So let's let's do some brainstorming. There we go. Getting our thinking music on. We want a tagline that has, you know, rock and roll metal in it, but also needs to portray that there was a crime involved. Um, they, they, they meddled in metal. 
Oh, they, <laughs> they, they meddled in metal is pretty good. Darn metal. good. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing the picturing John they, Hamm, they, John Hamm with his poster board. <laughs> they meddled in metal. They, they meddled in metal. They they played with our heart. They fingered our heart. <laughs> <laughs> these guys, these guys were were professional rockers. You didn't allow them. Finger picking pockets. Yes, uh, I like the uh, metal. metal. In the rock, uh, <laughs> Steven, yours rock and load. You know. Rock and Load would would think it's a drug a drug movie though is what I get out of that. Well, yeah, I mean, this is what this this would be the title of the movie if Guy Ritchie decided to direct it. It would be Rock and Load. It it works with Jason Statham. uh, With Jason Statham with long hair, like just picture it. That's all you need to look into. Uh, (laughs) Budget for this film: eleven million dollars. Allegedly. 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 Uh, Total gross. Five million dollars. Allegedly, yeah, not great. Not great. <laughs> uh, it probably made its another five or six back in DVD sales, but May, uh, well, VHS and DVD. But I think it made its uh, its bread um, uh, uh, in syndication. Syndication played huge uh, uh, influence to this movie on, on why a lot of people watched it. Yeah, it was one that really benefited from not being like two rated R. You know. Made it so everybody can just you you just pop in, check it out. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 149th on the on the year's box office. Uh, right ahead of Geronimo in American Legend, and right behind Six Degrees of Separation. Uh, it did beat Adam's Family Values. Right behind Six Degrees of Separation. <laughs> wow, what a movie. What a I mean, what a three what a what a triple feature right there! You got Geronimo, a Disney movie. You have Airheads, and then you have Six Degrees of Separation. Uh, Trapped in Paradise, a former podcast uh, that, hey. we've done, that we've done already. Hundred made made two hundred fifty thousand more dollars than this movie. So hey, sounds good, you know. That sounds like a pretty also good, Black pretty Beauty. Good Black Beauty also in the one fifties one four point six for Black Beauty. So there you go. So it. it it's it's got decent company down here at the you know nearer the bottom of the list yeah it did they they all did lose to the fugitive which was released the previous year <laughs> and re-released in 1994 so after it won some oscars yeah i guess yeah some, that's uh, that's a oscars tough list. look uh yeah <laughs> release date it went all the way through march 24th 1994 but it was released in august 19 of 1993 so there you go there you go. Trivia. Yep. Uh, some That's of our favorite dream. favorite facts about the movie. Ryan, did you have any favorite trivias? Fun facts. You know, I didn't. I didn't get into it. I didn't go that far. You made the, you made a good decision because there was there wasn't a whole lot. Um, I liked my favorite is probably that this is the first film between Sandler and Buscemi, and I like to think that this is where they met and became friends, and started just a a career long friendship where you. Buscemi is probably the biggest name Sandler friend that pops up in all of his movies. You think? Yeah, I would think so. And then the uh, wait, not... wait, what about Bob Barker? Uh, oh, wait, I well, guess he's only in one. He's only in yeah, one movie. Huh? He's only, he's only one. in one. And Buscemi's also... in like six. <laughs> he made his. He made uh, it, He made his debut. Adam Sandler's um, leading debut. He was in. He cameoed in one of the best cameos of all time in an Adam Sandler movie. 
Man, I'm sure glad I called that guy. Man, I'm sure glad I called that guy. It still kills me when he puts on lipstick and just lays down. <laughs> um, my favorite part, uh, bit of trivia is the radio station shares the parking lot um, with the building that uh, was the main setting for Die Hard's Nakatomi Plaza. So there you go. It's a Christmas movie, every, everybody. We did it. <laughs> it's Christmas in February. That, Love. that makes me so happy. I like the thing that they were shot at the same time, even though they were they're like for what year was Die Hard? 90, 91? 90, no, 88, 88, 80 something. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. quite a few years apart, but still uh, uh, iconic. The only fun fact that I looked up after the movie was I wanted to know who wrote the song for mm. the Lone Rangers at the end yeah. of the movie. And it was uh, is by pop or by punk group Reagan Youth. From the, uh, from the 1980s. Degenerated. Oh, good yeah. song. Good song. Not bad. A lot relies on uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into our we're gonna do a draft of fictional bands. And some bands don't don't need the good music to go along with it, but a lot of the time, uh if the if the music is bad, you just disbelieve the band immediately this movie is worrisome because they don't really play the song by the lone rangers until the very end so you're like it has to be bad there's just no way it's gonna be good and then it's surprisingly good so you're uh happy as the credits roll you know with brendan fraser singing yes yeah and but didn't you feel i felt teased the whole time i was just like you know because they they play what 10 seconds of it and the tape gets eaten and you're like like, come on, man, just give me, yeah. Give me they should have they should have played it like during a rehearsal at the beginning, like yeah. even if it was just the first verse, just to give us like you know a quick thirty seconds, and then it could start like the end of the movie could start in the second verse when they're playing it in prison. Just have us you know, on their have us on their side, be like we believe in these guys, you know. I, I was gonna say, Stephen, I don't know if you noticed, but this movie is not big on character development. Oh, really? <laughs> I really thought Kramer's character uh, uh, had an arc. Oh, my God. Uh, speaking of White Zombie, uh, Cannibal Corpse was originally going to play in the whiskey scene, but then uh, Ace Ventura used used Cannibal Corpse first. Yeah, so, Jim, Carrey, Jim Carrey was not a White Zombie fan. He was a Cannibal Corpse fan, hence why they were in the bigger movie. So there you go. And and a better scene, you know, uh, Jim Carrey walking through the Metalheads show doing the head bobbing. I can pick, I can see it in my mind's eye right now. Yeah. The last one is John Cusack was originally the first choice to play Chaz. Let's just put a pause on that. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, movie plot: Three aspiring rock musicians, Chaz, Pip, and Rex, are determined to have their band's demo tape played on the air. Out of desperation, they sneak into a Los Angeles radio station, but when the manager Milo meets them with hostility, they resort to threatening him with realistic-looking water pistols. Soon, the situation escalates, and the none-too-bright rockers get in over their heads. Over their airheads, you know. Over their airheads. <laughs> nice. Uh, a lot more happens in the movie. They uh, Actually, not a lot more happens in the movie. That's <laughs> really it. It's just <laughs> a standoff. Kind of, they, they kind of just have a standoff. It's a real a real dog day afternoon type uh, film without Very any much. of the emotional intensity and or drama. No real stakes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just a no giant stakes. baby bottle. Was this was it better or worse for, for having uh, little to no stakes in this movie? A lot of the reviews were like, 
I liked it at first, but the no stakes thing kind of kind of left me hanging. Um, I didn't quite get that. Just but that's probably because my history with this movie is as a teenager. Uh, Ryan, what's your history with Airheads before we talk about it? Yeah, I mean, kind of the same as you. Uh, just like teenage teenage viewing. Uh, I don't think I ever saw it. I did definitely didn't see it in the theater, but I think I started seeing it like we were talking about the the Comedy Central era, where it was just on constantly, and uh, probably just like smoking weed and watching it, and and uh, just ad nauseum. And man, Chris Farley, he just he's the guy. And he pops up, just like oh man. I feel like it's if, a real rewatchable in, buddy movie. You know, I'd rather him your, your butt. I'd rather Chris Farley be in the band than be on the police side. Like his character in Wayne's World, if he somehow managed to be either the second guitarist or the keyboard guy in the band in the Lone Rangers, um, that would have that would have elevated the movie so much higher but than him being like the rookie cop who didn't know anything. He was like I think in this context of this movie, he would have been too much. My, maybe, too maybe, just too good. But you would, ta- you would have taken a lot of up a lot of physical and uh, com- comedic yeah. space. Like get rid of the, the Michael tank. Richards character and then make uh, Chris Farley the one who's unsure about it. So so he could be the one to make him the Bruce Willis, make him the Bruce Willis diehard character in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I found it really interesting that the the main cop, uh, I can't remember the actor. Yes, he's like giving him so much. Um, <laughs> responsibility you know he's right. like, oh, obviously this guy's a buffoon but he's like you gotta go save the day and find the girlfriend it's like you're sending this guy he seems like he's like you know maybe a second year like not quite rookie what like you're ne- doing is like you violated a, nepo- a 614 he's like a nepotism <laughs> cop right like one that was like my grandpa was a cop and my dad right. was a cop yeah he's oh, actually yeah. he's actually the third um he's comes from a long line of uh busters from uh, la confidential <laughs> Yeah, but like I think one of the reviews I read was like, you know, this this movie, you're like waiting for a laugh and you never get it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Chris Farley showed up, I I actually got that laugh and I was like, there it is, there okay. it is. There's, he's he's my guy. He doesn't sure. have to do anything either. He just has to yeah. show up. He just it's, had to show. Up. That's it. Not many people yeah. uh, have that kind of credibility. Stephen, what's your what's your Airheads uh, experience? Yeah, like like Ryan said, this was this was a a Comedy Central staple. So um, I'd watch a lot of the uh, beginning of the movie or the end of the movie if mm. if things were um, if things were ending, like a standup special or reruns of Saturday Night Live or Conan or um, you know, God forbid, a, a South Park would sneak in midday, I'd catch that, and then they'd automatically pay some some crap comedy movie um, like Airheads or um, Peggy Sue Got Married or. Um, <laughs> bordello of blood <laughs> some random shit like that but that, yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. challenge right? yeah 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 uh let's talk about it yeah let's make you're a scene. making a you're making a scene uh i'm not going to choose a scene from the beginning like i usually do to to set the scene because this movie kind of takes off uh, nearly immediately you you get the you get the gist <laughs> It he he goes to the he goes to try to get a deal doesn't work gets kicked out of his girlfriends goes to his bandmates they come up with the idea they go to the station they start holding a hostage that's all the first twenty three minutes and then the next hour and ten is all all them in the station so 
you know, power to them for just getting right to it uh, from the beginning. Yeah. That's all the first act, right? The first act is yeah. they're they're at the radio. The end of the first act, they're at the radio station. They're holding hostages, pretty much. Yeah, right? with without any without any plan at all. These these right. three guys. Where where I'm struggling with where I struggle with the movie is, I guess, for a lot of people on uh, in the review said for it, where it's like, what is the satire of these guys being dumb uh, metalhead guys, and what is them just being uh, criminal masterminds? And like, where does it where they're does dumb, it start? but they're where making they're dumb, but they're making so many social commentary points. So like, how dumb are they? Like, uh, <laughs> like. Adam Sandler is making like uh, uh, <laughs> equality uh, conversations with the black people in this radio station, and is that supposed to be funny and or uplifting and or both? Yeah, well, he's like, yeah, think- H- Hendrix was <laughs> Hendrix is cool, man. We were Hendrix down. Hendrix was all him, right. Man. He's like, you're stepping but on my dick. <laughs> that really, but that really says something about like the time when these movies were being made. There's like an innocence then the yeah. white. Not innocence, but it was like white people could do things that were uh, really questionable and terrible. And people were like, eh, it's the 90s. You know, like Rod- the Rodney King thing. Like, the Rodney King that, thing. Yeah. We'll, Fred, we'll... Fred, that, that's a, that's a line too far. Yeah, that's actually my, uh, that's, that's my making a scene. That's the most baffling scene oh. in this movie to me is when yeah. the cops turn the power off to the building. Uh, Rex, Rex, and Brendan Fraser, uh, Chaz come outside. There's like, what the fuck? Why you turn? Why'd you turn the power off, man? We gotta get the music out to the people. And then Ernie Hudson, who's doing a good job as hostage negotiator, we have to say that he's he's being he's doing his his damnedest to keep. Why is there not a trained uh, hostage negotiator there though? Where's (laughs) Where's Samuel L. Jackson? This is the LAPD, so there definitely should have been one. I don't know. They all they sent was like a uh, a crazy SWAT guy and just a a everyday captain, you know. (laughs) But he he won't turn it back on, and then both Fraser and Buscemi are just outside dancing around with their little with their guns. This is a good time to take these guys out. They're they're doing like they're doing absolutely nothing. They're they're just walking around dancing, like giving away free tickets, fox trotting and bunny hopping. It's classic LAPD, just not letting anything happen. And then the way that they get the power to turn back on is just by Brendan Fraser jumping on top of a cop car and just start chanting Rodney King, and everybody's like, "Yep, we're just gonna go along with that." And that that's. That's all the pressure that LAPD well, needed there's to, your call to back. turn it but, back on. But that's your callback to Dog Day Afternoon. That's how he got the the crowd to win him over in Dog Day was Pacino calling out Attica. Attica! Attica! Oh yeah, good point. Good point. So there you go. There's your callback to it. That's so uh, they're doing a lot of a lot of uh, references. Uh, oh, Rich to, to, uh, to media. Rich Wilkes or whatever the writer's name was. Good for him. He just he just ripped off Wilkes Dog Day Afternoon. Like you know, <laughs> really the lore behind it, Rich Wilkes' life is uh, he tried to get his uh, lover sex change operation. He couldn't, so wrote this uh, story and uh, love letter to it. But I did love uh, when they do get out and like the 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 satire or the commentary on the the one black guy who leaves who gets out they they immediately put the gun to his head and they yeah they immediately arrest him him when he gets out uh the wife called that out too is like why do they do that (laughs) 
really unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, more uh, things change, more do they stay the same. A good, right? a good solid bit at the movie. Yeah. What year was Rodney King? 92. 92. Yeah. 92. Okay. So this was yeah. probably written in 93. Right, they shot right. it. It came out in '94. This was written so. right around the time um, OJ um, got a, got a little got a little stabby. Wow, right around that time. <laughs> was that in the? Uh, I don't know. There wasn't a reference to it. Maybe it was there wasn't a reference like, right to it before. because it happened. It happened like he was in the he was in the uh, Bronco two months before. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> time for some real questions. Um, my the biggest question of the movie for me was the why biggest is he, question. Why is he trying to give this to people on real to real? This is a time when CDs exist because <laughs> there's so many CDs. Yeah. He was obsessed with the sound quality, but the bigger yeah. question is why did they only have one of each? Yes. Why did they only have one cassette, one one reel to reel? Were no they that CDs. broke? How are they <laughs> that broke to where they only had one? Like you aren't you supposed to make multiple copies and send them out all at once to record companies? Yeah, you're gonna stand there while they play the demo and then uh, hope that you get a, a deal. Hey, after can I get that take, back? Take it with you. <laughs> is, I need a decision now. Air- or I need to take this to Columbia. This is called Airheads, you know. So you didn't really elaborate on that. Uh, I guess. Move. I guess that's uh, that can be the answer to all these questions. Is this is yeah. called Airheads? Yes. Yeah. They. Right, Ryan, were you ever in a band? I was I was in multiple bands. So this this oh, movie wow. actually I really liked the um the the uh the beginning of the, the, the movie, the title title scene mm-hmm. with all the you know the little animation of all the instruments on top of each other. And I always pay attention to that stuff in movies and like he actually requested a PRS guitar, which is a Paul Reed Smith. Okay. If you guys know about guitars they're very expensive and he said i went it with the dragon and like and i was like i wonder who wrote this and if they actually know what that is because a paul reed smith isn't typically a guitar that you would play in a metal band the paul reed smith is a, is a guitar that like uh a blues guitarist or like someone like that would have like uh like a uh, jimmy uh jimmy ray vaughn Stevie, yep. Stevie Ray Stevie, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie Stevie his, bro- his brother, Jimmy, Jimmy Ray Vaughan, his, brother, probably, his brother. Also probably played his it, brother. yeah. His brother, Jimmy. It's your brother, uh, Jimmy. <laughs> Stevie. Yeah, but like a Stevie Ray Vaughan would have a, a Paul Reed Smith or so with like a Trey Anastasio from Fit. Like it's, oh, like a, that's a jam like band a, guitar. It's a guitar that just has like, or like uh, Santana. Santana actually plays Paul Reed Smith. It's a guitar that has like an impeccable tone. It is not a guitar that you'd like. You'd want like a flying V, right. like or like you know. There's yes. like all these different guitars that he could have asked for. And he asked for that one, and I was just like, no, like, uh-uh. yeah. He he seems like a flying V, a yeah. uh, a Les Paul guy. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But then then when they actually get their demands met and the guitar shows up, it actually is a Paul Reed Smith when he's on stage and they handed him the guitar. It actually was a part, and I was like, "Holy shit! Okay, um, all right." You know, and like the the drum kit was a Tom or was a uh, Mapex drum kit up on mm. stage, and I was like, oh, "Okay, that's a rock, that's a rock kit." You know, it's set okay. Up. And it's, Adam, you gotta Sandler, appreciate that stuff. Yeah, totally. And Adam Sandler actually appeared to be able to play the drums, which I did not know that Adam Sandler could play the drums. His yeah. his one cutaway playing the drums, I was like, "It looks like he's playing the drums." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he actually seems to be able to play 
The, he, he has oh, he, he's stepping on the good stuff in the movie. He has some drummer vibes. He he's got real drummer mm-hmm. vibes. They really yeah. missed out on a '90s live action uh, Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem origin story because he would have been the perfect animal. Just saying. Uh, another question: Would they flip the radio station in the middle of the night on a Sunday without telling anybody? There's, it's happened to me. I think that the answer is yes because I believe I used to have it, a, fa- I I used to have a favorite uh, alternative rock station that would change the Christmas songs every year, and you just never knew when it was going to happen. But one day you would wake up and it would just be Christmas music. Yeah, that's horrible. So, um, I mean, that's that's what happened. Uh, that's what happened to uh, to the local radio station KSJO. They uh, overnight changed into me- uh, Mexican radio station. Um, it's it's happened a lot. Like they didn't they just do that to um when ninety five point seven was the country station, they turned it into sports like within a day. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that happens so. all the time. Yeah, that's why radio's dead. That's why ra- it's dead, Jim. It's dead, Jim. Radio's dead, Jim. Uh Ryan, this one's for you. Based on the one song that you hear, are the Lone Rangers a good band? Uh I think they're an okay band. Okay, okay, band. I give them okay, a go. Yeah. <laughs> Ready yeah. Okay, uh, uh, okay, band. I thought they were an okay. Yeah, I, I was not. I was really hoping for more because you were teased the whole time. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be fucking awesome at the end. But yeah, Brendan Fraser's vocals were pretty lackluster. I thought, and uh, they're all right. They're all right for a sludge rock band. The bass line, the the bass was good. The when the bass when the bass comes in, it was solid. I thought that was, that was some, yes, that was some good good walking walking the bass line. And then Steve Buscemi doing his doing his hump, his hump, awesome. yeah. Oh. The hump was great. Really enjoyed that, that, especially with his skeevy face. Also very solid. Hump was great. This was 1994. But my last question is: is selling selling out nowadays isn't what it used to be. It used to be if you you sign a deal. You know, it's it's automatic. You sold out because you want a little bit of money. It's not like that anymore. So I, I don't think there should have been that stigma around it. But they didn't have any deals or anything. Why didn't they just sign? Why didn't they just sign the deal? You know, you don't need to have this this uh, you know, I'm better than thou approach. But you know, maybe that's just me. Stephen, did you or Ryan? Did you guys have any any unanswerable questions to mimic another podcast? Um, I I was like, that was the one point in the movie where I was I actually had feelings, you know, because he signed the contract, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, they're gonna do it. I didn't remember, right? I haven't watched the movie in so fucking long. I was like, like, he actually signed it. Okay, this is happening. And then of course he literally wipes his ass with the contract, uh, winning me back over, realizing that rock and roll is real. Rock and roll exists. And uh, he's the embodiment, really, of rock and roll. And uh, yeah, it was like the Grinch who stole Christmas. You know, my heart, my rock and roll heart grew many sizes. Okay, well, I I think that brings up a valid question. Another question. Is Brendan Fraser the the face of rock and roll? Honestly, um, (laughs) everybody wants it to be Brendan Fraser, but in reality, it's Steve Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi's face is, is the face of rock and roll without yeah. question. He he's the true rocker. He's the real scumbag in this situation. Like, yeah, like yeah. You looks do, the every, part, uh, acts the part. 
Yes. Plays the part. We Jazz all know a-, a metal bassist is like the skeeviest guy known to man because <laughs> he gets things. He's a he's a getter. Those are the ones who are in the dark into the darkest type of metal, too. You know, they, they're the ones who like come out and they're like, I think we should have more depth. By the way, can uh, we sacrifice something on stage? <laughs> <laughs> what are the laws here? Chaz, Chaz is a bad boyfriend and m- maybe a bad front man, but he's he's a good. Uh, he went to the he snuck into the PNR, you know. And he he tried to get a record deal, so you got to give him that. You need somebody in your band that is like tenacious in that way. But otherwise, I I just don't see him as he's just he not. Sucks. He just doesn't seem like a rock guy. Brendan Fraser. That's why he was Chester. That was the big twist. He was Chester. Yes. He, I think he, <laughs> yeah. his, his girlfriend that. was right. I He's a poser. That being the, the twist of the movie where they're just like, <laughs> sorry, I lied. And it's like, I played D&D, you know, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I collected bugs. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, are, those are some of the, it's funny about this more. We, you know, we're probably going to talk about this more, but um, there's some real great little lines by by people who are just little you know sideline actors that uh really you know my friends and i were making reference to for years as uh pretty sweet now this this movie gave a lot of uh a lot of leeway to the to the bit part people that came in it it just the cast is the cast is a list i mean you you got like Joe Montana and Michael McKean to come in for just like the side part. Michael Richards, this is still uh Steven. Is this in Seinfeld territory still? Right? Oh, yeah. This is Seinfeld. This is yeah, the he's middle like, of Seinfeld. He's like he's like absolutely as big as he could ever be. And he's he's up crawling through vents and shit, you know. Doing the physical comedy that Michael Richards only can do. <laughs> he's he is he was fantastic. He could have had a lot more uh, lines, but uh, you know he wasn't meant to. He wasn't meant to exchange banter. Yeah, he's there really, to. He's there was. to be goofy and, and awkward in an HVAC. Okay, uh, let's get into the. Are you for real? What are the most ridiculous parts of the movie? Uh, we agree. Start... Chaz is a bum. We yeah. agree. We Chaz agree is a bum. That. He's yeah. not a bad boyfriend. He 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 goes and doesn't do a job. Sits on the couch. Kayla comes home after a long day. He knocked all of her. Uh, Makeup, yeah. Makeup into the toilet. In the toilet. <laughs> Didn't ask any questions about uh, how her day was, really. Or just says, like, how was your day, babe? You know, he just expects to be taken care of, um, which maybe goes back to his privilege as being a geek previously. But so we know he's a bum. My biggest problem with Chaz was that he. But this this is probably the movie's point. All he could say was rock and roll. <laughs> On he had he had his moment. He said twenty thousand people are listening. What do you want to say to them? You know, it could have been some big speech with some round and now and now at the very end of it, but instead it was just a just a real rock and roll scream. And uh you appreciate it for what it was, but you're also like, was it a missed opportunity? That was a missed opportunity know. for him to be shot by one of the SWAT <laughs> sharpshooters, and that would have been like his, his last lines of the movie. And he like and he di- and while he's dying, he just strums the guitar for one big riff, and everybody goes ape shit. Oh, that would have been a bold all decision, time. all uh, time, that, just to just to kill uh, Brendan Fraser in the middle of the movie. Ryan, what was the most ridiculous part to uh, to you in the movie? What? Yeah, what, I mean, what I, do you have some qualms qualms with? 
well, a lot of things, but you guys kind of mentioned it before, like the, uh, the, 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 the whole thing with the girlfriend having the only tape, you know, uh, that yeah. really bothered me. Tape went and, through uh, hell and it still played. Come on. It still played. Yeah. <laughs> Audio cassettes are, you know, he had to respool it. Remember Steve Buscemi mentioned <laughs> it got urinated <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. It got, yeah, it got smushed fight. by a low rider. Yeah. You know, she was actually kind of great in that movie. Their relation, that was actually, what I like about movies from this time is that I think they give the audience credit that you actually, uh, everything's shorthand, right? So you get it. It's like, okay, the relationship with Brendan Fraser, with Chaz and his girlfriend, is just like a given, you know, that they're this tumultuous thing happening where it's like they're constantly fighting and making up and you just get it. Right. You don't have to like they don't have to sell it to you. They're just like, yeah, yeah, that's this. This is this. This is it. You're a smart movie watcher. We we give you credit. You're watching Airheads. We don't know why, because you're a smart movie watcher. But uh, yeah, you know, she breaks the console like without the girlfriend throwing the monkey wrench, the, the wrench in the, the works. There's like really no. Not that much conflict. You know, the cops don't even really pose much threat (laughs) it's like it's like who where's the threat here themselves and like the dude's girlfriend you know the cops or whatever uh the man uh, eventually somebody will see that they're just water pistols i guess or or, uh right they're just waving yeah the real villain of the movie ended up not being the cops or the girlfriends and it was just big record labels. No, it was the band. <laughs> Come the man. on, they're the they're the it's villains, the obviously. Yeah, well, they're antiheroes. It was like a high fidelity moment where you know Rob was the bad guy the whole time. Wow. Well, what I really didn't get to is like the amps were real. There's power there, right? For a microphone, the microphone in the front works during the you know the end, yeah. which is weird. But then none of the amps are plugged in. But then when they start destroying shit, everything's electrified, right? There's like sparks <laughs> flying everywhere. And it's like, yep. oh, you fuckers. Maybe they really were plugged in. Turn it up. Turn it, let the boys play. That's let, let that the boys like play. real disappointment. Typical, <laughs> typical record execs. Covering their asses. Yeah, let, the, let the boys play. The speaking of which, Rangers. Speaking of which, why were they fulfilling all of these hostage demands? There were like what four people in that radio station. They couldn't. They couldn't just go in, go in with flashbangs or whatever, and pull them and yank them. Like See, we said, they had we to go get. Time. You're not there. You don't know. You don't know what they, they had are. to get. Sixty-seven copies of Moby Dick. <laughs> well, and a baby they bottle. A... Where's the 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 football helmet filled with cream cheese? What were they filling yeah. with cottage cheese? <laughs> yeah, filled with cottage cheese. Nice. Well, it's Pip's idea, great. you know. Yeah, Pip's idea was to make some weird ones so that you could plead insanity right. later on. Yeah, <laughs> right. That was Pip's contribution. Maybe that's why they only got three months, and we're going on tour later in the year <laughs> at the end right. of the movie. Yeah, they just have a world tour after. Uh, you well, know, and I, Jim Montana kidnapping their their manager, right? Yeah, it was their manager. Yeah, Joe Montana good did a good job. We'll uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, the, Bad job sound design of this movie. Every time that it was like, let's get loud, it it got maybe like 2% louder. I was just like, I just need this movie to be overwhelmed with sound. Mm. And I don't think I was even even one time for being for being a rock movie. Yeah, it's a rock movie. You got to play it loud. Got to play loud, loud, play proud. What's what's the saying? If if it's too loud, you're too old. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. Ryan's 
you have that tattooed on your body, don't you, Ryan? No, I just have hearing aids to prove <laughs> to prove <laughs> to prove the point. Speaking of which, um, um, major are you for real moment was it's Rebel Radio and a lot of their merch had Confederate flags, so <laughs> had to call that out. <laughs> oh shit! I didn't even notice that. Although, oh yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of similar kind of uh, strangeness, I don't know if you guys noticed in the very one of the very first scenes when he pulls up on his Harley, uh, the front fender of his motorcycle has the word "fag." Yeah, I saw uh, that. I I didn't know if that was a uh, if if his neighbors were like calling him that or or it was a, a, a euphemism for something or an acronym for something. But yeah, it was like an electrical tape on the front fender of the of the Harley. <laughs> yeah, and I was like Very strange. And if you like, like I was wondering if like someone did that to him as a joke on the set. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if that was like, nobody really, like, they didn't notice it when they were making the movie and it just got like, just made it in there. Or like Adam Sandler did that. It was 1994, you know. uh, It was a lot of 1994 vocabulary was being thrown around in the movie on on air, even, you know, on on the radio station. Yeah. FCC must have buried that That radio station. That was acceptable back then. Seemed like um, a fun time, the parking lot party, you know. Yeah. Any oh, other man. any other for real moments uh for, for you, gentlemen? His wig uh Brandon Fraser's wig is just the wig? Unbelievably bad in this movie. Yeah. Um, you just see also, his hair and you're like, what is going on? But everybody's looks were bad, but I found like um while I love Steve Buscemi. He kept doing the same uh, like macho man flexing thing. He, he did it like three or four times. He did. <laughs> and I was just like, man, like, okay, that's working for you. But like, you have another thing or like. Uh, well, he had one other thing. He had the he had the middle finger thing. Right. Well, and then he also grabbed his crotch. He grabbed yeah, his yeah, crotch. Yeah. He had three things. He had three things. Yeah. Give him a little bit of credit. <laughs> I did like the, I did like the middle finger thing. That was very much of that time. Like that was like a cool thing to do, you know. Oh yeah, like, you know. Needed a little bit more East Coast from from Buscemi. <laughs> Give me a little bit more Bafangulo and stuff, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. All right. Let's get to the real good stuff, Nick. What was your What was your major call out? I think that Steve and Adam Sandler were perfect bass and drummers. I mean, yeah. I if you're going to choose two actors to play those two roles at this time in the career, it's it's obvious and it's perfect. They Good they just mates. nailed it. Good bandmates for sure. Yeah. So, and and I like that they made them brothers. You know, it it helped out. I like that Pip always thought about uh, always thought about pool cleaning pools. It was like kind of his passion. He wasn't he, he was he into major the band, pool boy vibes. Yeah, he was into the band, Wait, but he, he preferred but... pools. But wait, do you guys also? I was just thinking about this. So it's, I think it's a double entendre, right? Because he's like, he's the pool, pool guy, pole guy, mm-hmm. right? He's the, you know, the drummer's always the guy who's getting all the sex. And he was, <laughs> he was boning the, uh, the SWAT. I mean, they made an allusion to him being the they, guy. Yeah, that's what the SWAT guy. team captain thought yeah. because he was a pool guy. Yeah, he's the you... pole. He's yeah, the pool guy. He's the pool guy, you know. <laughs> banging on multiple yeah. things you know uh yeah yeah quiet cool this is where i learned about the quiet cool is this movie mm-hmm. and i thought oh wait a minute that's you i didn't realize that's your whole jam 
it it was you know until i started until until i figured out that when i drink i talked louder and uh Uh, too much a bit more boisterous before that, I was I was quite cool, and that's where mm-hmm. I realized that it was it's it's an asset, you know. You you can be mysterious in in a uh, maybe a dumb way, but he played it he played it perfectly. I think Adam Sandler is it it's as Peter Travers said, red hot screen asset. Yeah. <laughs> what you, what do you think? What are you thinking about? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you like about the movie, Ryan, on your rewatch? What 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 brought you back? Uh man, you know, I think I, I mentioned this earlier. It's the innocence. I feel like this is the like the nineties had this kind of like Yeah, like you just couldn't make a movie like this, like that today. Um it just had it's got a lot of things going on that it's goofy. It's like really goofy. And it's really, uh, yeah, I just felt like I wish you could make a movie like this today. Like, I wish you could find a cast, like not this bad, like, but I feel like even like the, the funny movies of today have to be so concerned with, with all of the, and they should be, you know, concerned with all of the political correctness of, of the time. But, they were going into territory with that movie that was just totally like they shouldn't have been, but it was like, eh, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's a niche, it's like, a niche subject and area. And they, they, uh, and it was still pretty broad at the same time. It was easy to understand without being, you know, a heavy metal guy on top of it. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't really much, even the metal. And that, that was actually kind of the weird thing about that movie. That it wasn't really like, the metal that they were playing was like, like I feel like they didn't have a good licensing budget. Yeah. Or something <laughs> yeah. Because it was like really not good stuff. Like they, in, only, they only had $11 million. I thought it actually, now looking back on it, the soundtrack looks like a, like kind of like a smart metal heads. Like um, these are the deep cuts brother, you know, sort of thing. Like, <laughs> does it really? Just, hey, I need to check them out. I mean, no, I mean, just seeing like the bands. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't know any of the songs, which automatically tell that's a bad sign when you're looking back mm-hmm. at it's the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, that's not great. But but seeing uh, seeing Primus on there, you know, you're like, okay, there's some prog rock. People are into that. Oh, that's a deep I don't cut. Even remember hearing Primus? I don't know if they were in the movie. It was on the soundtrack though. Soundtrack. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but when they would play the songs in the movie, it would be like, let's turn it up to 11. And then it would be like at six. And then it would be just background noise while they all talked over it and made their jokes. So it is what it is. Stephen, uh, what'd you like about the movie? I really enjoyed the dynamic between the SWAT captain talking to Kramer about his uh, wife cheating on him. And okay, how yeah, Marshall Bell, Marshall Bell, who played Carl Mace, uh, really good. He was, re- he was really good. That's uh, really awesome. Really awesome role. Really uh, awesome uh, comedic break in between all of this uh, empty humor. Like this was this is some real uh, comedy with substance that needed uh, that needed a little bit more uh, presence in the story, if you ask me. You know, they should have made Chris Farley's character uh, that guy. Yeah, just <laughs> let, talking Chris, about his wife. <laughs> let Farley just talk about his wife. Be like, "Oh, my life." <laughs> let me tell you about the shrew I married. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
six months we've been together. <laughs> six <laughs> of the longest months of my life. <laughs> I could see Chris Farley doing all that. Yeah, without question. Um, you could just do anything. Yeah, the vi- the vibes of the movie, it's good. It's good, fun vibes. It's a nice 1994 movie 30 years ago. Who would have thought? But I think it holds up pretty well for the most part. Yeah, I I, I, I think so, too. I think this is uh, if syndication was a was a major thing and we didn't have streaming services um, at this at this time. This would still be in the rotation uh, on Comedy Central or MTV or something like that. Just to be like, it's a 90s classic marathon with Brendan Fraser. An Academy Award winner, Brendan Fraser. Academy Award winner. <laughs> Academy Award nominee, Steve Buscemi. Academy <laughs> Award nominee, Adam Sandler. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's find Get our saviors and, and ruiners. Let's let's do it. I think uh, I think me and you uh, agree, Nick, that who saved the movie was Marshall Bell uh, as Carl Mace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Save the movie is too much, but added to the movie really well. I think he did a great job. Uh, he he carried a lot. He put who, a lot. Who of the is team the be- back, who is though. the best in the movie for you, Ryan? Uh, Farley. Yeah. Okay. Farley. Like I was saying, as soon as he showed up, I just started laughing. And every little scene, his his comedic timing and like. He's just perfect, man. There's like a scene where he doesn't even say anything. He just does a take. That's all he does is a take. He like he like just stands up and he like whips his head back. And I was like, this guy, this guy's amazing. Like he looks like he's gonna give himself a heart attack at any <laughs> point in time. Like with a body that size, like he runs at one point. I think he gets he's over on the sideline and the the uh, he gets called over to the front and he runs and you're just like, <laughs> yes. Dude, just yes, stop, yes, yes. just stop. You're gonna die. But it's so funny, just him running. Just him running. I mean, he's 30 years old uh, at the time. Oh, my God. He was only 30. Yeah. Jeez. He died three years later. Yeah, he was 60 this year. Wow. So he did. Wow. He did a lot in three years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, who 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 ru- who ruined the he movie? Made this movie root. Much. Who ruined yeah, this who, movie? <laughs> I think M- Michael Richards was uh, fine in this movie, but stood out like a, a sore thumb in a lot stood of the part. they kind of needed his character in a lot of ways but i had a hard time finding somebody who was like actively bad in the movie so he was the closest i could get as somebody that just stood out as maybe not being uh his character was just i don't know if you're looking for actively bad the actor who played kayla was terrible <laughs> not good at the all. relation uh, like what ryan said the the relationship was good like yeah they're, they're tete-a-tete but give me know? a better actor in there put give me like the the trivia that i that i just thought of again was uh they were supposed to get christina applegate in that role oh she's wow. the yeah she's that would have been the one you would think of yeah kelly yeah. bundy kelly bundy man yeah yeah uh yeah who ruined it for you um uh, i actually felt like no one ruined it i feel similar to to what nick was saying i I feel like there's no one I could think of who actively like fucked it up for me. Uh, maybe if I was really gonna reach, I would say Brendan Fraser because I feel like he—he's just man. He—I felt like I never believed him as a rocker, like uh, ever, and I wanted to. But when it when it turned out that he was Chester, I was like, oh, makes sense. Believe it. Okay, I, I, I just graduated agree. from Harvard with honors. Six months later, he moves to L.A. He's a poser. 
<laughs> completely agree. Uh, misused, yeah, <laughs> misused in the movie. I, I like yours, Stephen. Uh, who do you pick for most yeah, misused? I, misused David Arquette. He was in the movie, but he wasn't in the movie mm-hmm. enough, especially being a very young uh, surfer, uh, surfer slash stoner dude who is obsessed with music and who still hangs out at the radio station, even though he's just held hostage for like three, three and a half hours uh, with an Uzi that he thought was real. So, yeah, so he only yeah. had his two, his two moments where he went <laughs> there when they're that music montage that everybody's dancing, he's playing the video game through the magnifying yeah, glass. He's playing like, the game gear. Yeah. <laughs> like Beavis and Butthead style. Like, <laughs> and he's just making the sound. And then he, uh, then he has to come back and be a hostage again. That part always stood out to me. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, when he like, has to be a hostage again, it's pretty they're good. They're like, let me back in, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to run out. They're like, sorry, dude. You. <laughs> if he snuck back in, yeah, more more times in the movie, it would have been great. He was caught up in the moment, you know, when he got released as a hostage. He, he got Stockholm he was caught Syndrome. Up in, the, in the festivity of it. You can see how happy he was. He's like, you know, here's the party. He's like, oh, wait, I'm out. Fuck. When he was running around doing his like his like yeah. champion running thing in front of the crowd, I was like, "Yeah, I, I feel that. I would do that same thing." I I think Chris Farley uh, could have done more. They could have could have given him a little bit more in the movie. Could have gave him more. Yeah, for sure. When when the when the actual gunshots go off and they hit the van right next to him and he drops to the floor, it's unbelievable comedy right there. It's <laughs> just like, oh god damn it, and then. And he's on the ground, and you're just like, "This is what this guy's. This is what this guy's got." So that's that's actually the take that I was just talking about. I forgot when the gun when the gunfire is over, he stands up really fast, and he like whips his head back, and it's just like it's so fucking funny. Just like, how do you figure that out? Like as a comedic actor, he's like like just that. Like he's just getting up, but it was just so fucking funny. Excuse me, do you know where the weight room is? Check it out. That that was that. That was that whipping his hair back when he's asking <laughs> where the weight room is from the hot lady. Replace uh, an actor. Uh, I think we got to replace Brendan Fraser in this movie. With yeah, somebody. give me a better lead. Give me a better lead, skeezy uh, uh, lead singer. I you say Ke- I chose Keanu Reeves, maybe. You say I, Keanu, but I feel like Keanu wouldn't accept the role because he'd be too pigeonholed. Yeah, yeah he's already Bill and Ted, you know, so. Some of the some of the other guys, Tim Robbins, Nick Cage at the time. These are like some some of the hot names. Nick Cage uh, could have been good. Um, you give me a uh, give me a little. Uh, who's who's uh, a rocker guy that you know the, the uh, name that I saw that kind of stood out for me, but I don't think he he doesn't have the comedy chops. Is Brad Renfro? You remember Brad Renfro? Oh yeah, Brad Renfro. I, mean, I think he died maybe that year, but yeah, uh, uh, Jason Patrick. Oh okay. From uh, Lost, they gave me some Lost Boys. He, he, yeah, he, but he yeah, a from the Lost Boys. It needs to be somebody funny though, too. That's, Corey like, Haim? that's the tough part. Was Corey Haim available? <laughs> Is he funny enough? I don't know. He was in comedy want, movies. I don't know if you want him on that. Uh... Yeah, I don't think Corey Haim could have pulled it off. Okay, I don't know, but maybe. Uh... Nah, he wouldn't do it either. I was thinking maybe a Michael J. Fox, but he's he's too far into his career at that point. What about a what about a, what yeah, about a woman? Short. What if you just put Tia Carrera in it as as the lead singer? Oh wow! I mean, couldn't take your eyes off her. That'd be nice. Role reversal. You know, actually, who might have been able to pull it off was uh, Mike Myers. Wow. Mike Myers would have been good. 
He would have been too funny. Yeah, they would have been. Well, then it would have stepped on his. It would have stepped on some of the Wayne's world. Or yeah. Mike, yeah, or Mike Myers would have been like, uh, yeah, but I have to be the DJ um, in a fat suit as well as the <laughs> black police captain as well as Michael Richards. <laughs> he was he was already doing that back then. He's yeah, like, and I, <laughs> could be a guy called worked. Fat Bastard. Yeah, that would have worked. You can't take Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Stephen, do you have uh, a different person to replace? I have an interesting one. You got to hear me out on this. It's replaced Chris Farley with Sean Penn. So mostly Sean Penn's uh, police character from the movie Colors, uh, but in a comedic way. So that if he goes to the rock concert, he has a good he has too much of a good time at the rock concert and like really enjoys the mosh pit. It just starts beating the shit out of people in the mosh pit and um, him like really hitting on uh, really hitting on Brendan Fraser's girlfriend or or being extremely helpful, uh, very doofusy, but um, also being Sean Penn, and then at the very end of the movie, he he just he just goes wild and this uh, happened to be a totally stuff. different uh, the yeah. the spinoff movie of Sean Penn just being a yeah. bad cop. Yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> gonna being... say this is like bad bad lieutenant meets yeah uh, <laughs> meets Aaron. Yeah, he like yeah. has to arrest White Zombie um, and be, beats the <laughs> shit out of Rob Zombie in the back of a police car, that sort of thing. Well, what what uh, what would you guys think if? We replaced uh, Adam Sandler's character with Polly Shore. The whistle, oh, the drummer boy. I feel like I feel like that would have started similar to you know the this Adam Sandler Steve Buscemi thing. I feel like if we would have kicked off the Brendan Fraser Polly Shore thing a little sooner, mm. who knows? I mean, Encino Man is bef- Encino Man is before this movie, so they they are friends at this point. And wait, really? Maybe yeah, he got beat out of the role. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, previously Man, done 30, the podcast thirty year anniversary last year. Um, wow. yeah, sure, sure, probably got beat out of the role by by Sandler. This, yeah, Adam think. was. I think Polly Shore had reached his peak of fame, like maybe nineteen or he was in maybe like that year. <laughs> Maybe or he was too, too busy in, uh, in Tunisia yeah. uh, filming in the army now. You know, that he was been. probably shooting right, right. all those like five yeah. movies that he did in a row. He was he was just busy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Brandon probably yeah. called him up and was like, hey, man. And he's Absolutely. like, Dad, I'm hitting right now. I cannot do this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you want me to play the third role? The drummer? Yeah. Motherfucker? I'm the, whis- I'm the whistle. Yeah. I'm the singer. <laughs> the leaning tower of Tisa. <laughs> Uh, favorite quotes from the movie I liked when he was like uh, you can have pit far- farting on a snare drum and he's just like I ain't farting on no snare drum I liked when uh, <laughs> when he says you want to take a step back you're standing on my dick when he's trying to when Pip's trying to get, get real with uh, <laughs> with Reg and then the last one when I rewatched it I caught this line of Kayla walking back in from her job uh, he asked her how her day went and she said my boss Gary is a real asshole he made me arrange his stack of invoices by date <laughs> and I was like <laughs> that seems like a... seems like what you would do at a job and maybe maybe she wasn't as bad as good at a job as a, as he was at being a boyfriend uh, they could have just been all together all bad at their jobs I like yeah, the, we didn't uh, talk about we didn't talk about Reg Re- Reggie Cathay, uh, who played the what was he? What was he an alternate DJ at the station? I think he was the engineer. Mm. 
who's the okay he's a station engineer but but he's he's a prolific actor um he was in oz he was in the wire he was in house of cards he was freddie the the rib guy in house of cards oh uh, most recently yeah. uh yeah looks completely different and he's also the doctor in the mask he was the original bank robber that gets killed by <laughs> jim carrey in the mask <laughs> so well, good shout, shout out to him r.i.p by the way shout um, out to reg yeah he wait a minute so he, he deserves his flowers he's the, he's the like one of the main detectives in the wire he's no he's the he's carchetti's uh political advisor in the later seasons oh the okay yeah yeah uh did you guys have any quotes any other quotes uh bringing it back to uh david arquette uh, one of the one of the lines that we would always quote was, "You guys are crazy, man! You guys are <laughs> like woohoo!" Jim Brewer yeah. stole all of uh, his act from uh, David Arquette. Let's call that out. That was really that was the third. Actually, uh, Nick, you mentioned two David Arquette things, and I was like, "You're missing the third, which was that." Yeah, he's not even in the room, actually. Yeah, in yeah. That scene. He's 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 behind a piece of glass. And they're making their uh, demands, and he he's back there. Uh, I thought that was really great. And then, he uh, he shined in his three moments. He did. He did. He did. Awesome. So we're moving on to making it fresh. How do you make this movie fresh? I think you uh, make Adam Sandler the lead singer. He's got the charisma. He's got the talent. And then add in Adam's players, you know, in the background, and they could be the rest of the band. Make the. Uh, Make the love interest somebody somebody hotter and more famous as Adam Sandler likes the new and make the radio station in Hawaii. You know, and there you go. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. your fresh straight to I, Netflix movie. <laughs> I think you could uh, one up it by making it happen in present time. And so them thinking that radio stations are still like a relevant thing and them being like <laughs> an old band that's been terrible for 35 plus years and they're and they're this is like their last gasp sort of thing and they they all they still have the real to real as like the, what their yeah, demo is it's on. still a real to real yeah they like it's, take over an npr station yeah <laughs> a crit like uh, a christian station or something like that i think you're onto something there i think that's well, I, good. I had a kind of similar pitch which was the but it's a, the sequel okay. and uh yeah they're all they're all you know, old post career and it's their comeback. Right. And uh, they have to do something similar again because nobody's paying attention to them. The industry is like, you know, fuck them over. So they have to like, but it would be whatever the current version of that is now. Which They'd be, be doing like, TikTok videos. So it's yeah, they would doing make, like little they dances. They try to make, yeah. Well, they would still have but, to hold somebody up. They have to um, right. do a crime somehow. They go yeah. on TikTok well, that's what live. Do live. <laughs> yeah, that's what they would do. They would like actually be doing it and somebody would be making a bit some gen the person would be like making like following them around they like dox the yeah. streamer and then they just hold right. the streamer hostage yeah yeah right oh yeah that would actually be beautiful right they don't oh, even know they're there doing you it go. yes they don't, yeah they don't even know they're doing it but they're like it just so yeah. happens the streamer show montania <laughs> <laughs> oh my god amazing what are you guys doing here i'm doing a mukbang <laughs> so Luckily, we're recording this, and you guys can pitch this for real because I think that the, we're onto something. Everybody, no, I think we might, we might have to cut that part out so that we can save it for ourselves to right. pitch to yeah to write the script first, and then to then Miramax. We, then we pitch it. Yeah, yeah. To Miramax. yeah, this is the one that's going to put Miramax back on the map. We'll <laughs> sell you this script for all the rights to Dog. <laughs> 
uh rotten cousin uh what movies are loosely related to to this film uh you nailed it with dog day afternoon you nailed it it with and empire records i tried to i tried to double feature this with empire records with jesse and we made it uh 40 minutes into the movie before she said I, I'm not going to do this anymore. And yeah. I, how I how, said, boring, who, I how said, many who, times did you fall asleep? I said, who are you? You know, you need to get out. of <laughs> you, you don't like airheads. I thought for sure. I thought there was like, we, we had some overlap here, but Wait, turns so out it was only empire. We watched all of empire records because empire yeah. Records, great movie. Uh, would have been what's really the, fun on the podcast, but it's just barely too good. It's what's the minutes. other music movie with uh, Anthony LaPaglia. That from the '90s. I've. Uh, oh, he's he is in Empire Records. Yeah, he he's he's the guy. He's the the the, yeah, the record, record store owner. A manager. Yeah. He's the manager. 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 Yeah, he is Joe Reeves. Yeah, it's um, a good. It's a good film. It's so really good, worth a yeah, watch. Yeah, falls right into the vein of '90s movies where they just talk about music the entire time. Like yeah, this, and where yeah, it got really... like it was supposed to be rated R. It got rewritten like kind of like halfway through and it had like all these crazy things happening it'd be really good for the podcast but it's just it's one percent over uh we need a couple people to go in and give it some bad reviews after the fact but sorry too good those are my two uh loosely related i agree i agree real better uh what what movie is this better than now i i don't know about this one but i feel like it's the most relevant movie that I think I enjoyed more than Airheads, and this was another rotating movie that that made its uh, that made its um, made its you know merit on syndication was Rockstar. Mark Wahlberg. I I I know Rockstar well. Yeah, I feel like good, this is a very this is a yeah this is a very uh, similar but better kind of movie where you don't expect. Uh, uh, this this kind of lead singer, but he weirdly pulls it off. I went well. I went the other way, and I think that this movie is better than Elvis, the movie with Austin Butler. Um, I think Airheads is a better movie <laughs> than the new Elvis. Than the new Elvis movie, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, Nick, you might be upset that I'm going to say this, but I didn't. I have only recently saw Empire Records. Tita, uh, Tita, my, my partner. Yeah. Uh, she she made me watch it, okay. and I didn't hate it. I liked it, but I do think yeah. that Airheads Airheads is better than Empire Records. Uh, I, I I'll agree with you. I think Jesse's the one who might have a problem with that. So. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I I had there were some real problems in Empire Records. Oh, Empire Records real... is it's you could tell that it was pieced together like way after the fact, but. Uh, I, I was like, and it's so melodramatic. Fun? Everything, all the problems these kids have, like, geez, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I think that's good. They're, they're in the same vein, though. Uh, did they say the title of the movie in the movie? I don't think anybody said Airheads ever. I don't movie. believe so. Every other insult imaginable, especially real missed opportunity. The, yeah, yeah. Got a bunch of Airheads here. You know, it was that easy. Uh, rename the movie. I was thinking in the vein of almost famous, calling it infamous, <laughs> but you right. really, you really have to pair it with almost famous for people to people to understand it. Yeah, uh, um, I say my old tagline: "Rock and load, rock and load." Oh yeah, yeah nice. the guy Richie version. There you go. Nice. Um, 
I went for uh, I thought an actual good one in, in my mind was Rebel Radio. Oh, Rebel, Rebel Radio is good. Damn, that is solid. Except you would get canceled nowadays. You know, have to tear that right. statue, tear that statue down. Right, right. They, well, they now, did well, have. But no, no, we're in, we're in '94, man. We're still in '94. Yeah, you're right. Steve Buscemi wears like a, the Confederate flag, like soldier hat. <laughs> like at one point in this movie, it's like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, rank them. Most famous now. Uh, let's go. Most famous to least famous. I think at this exact moment in time, Adam Sandler is by far the most famous. Yes. But who is more famous between Brendan Fraser and Steve Buscemi? As of right now, I think yes. Fra- Fraser has the public light still a little bit, especially after uh, being in Flower Moon. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. But I'm going to go Sandler, Fraser, Buscemi. I'm going to I'm going to buck I'm going to buck the trend. Sandler Buscemi Fraser. Okay, so yeah, yeah. that's tough. I it think it could be either or. Yeah. Uh let's get a little gamey. No uh no to 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 top 5 today cuz it's a draft. A real rotten draft. We're going to do we're we're going to draft a fictional bands. This fictional is not, bands. Fi- not fictional solo artists. Uh, it has to be a band, and I'm gonna say that it has to be featured in a feature film. We have to be. This has to be a movie band. It cannot be a TV I'm band. We don't, we, don't, uh, we don't subscribe to that that bullshit. Unfortunately, shout out yes. to honorable mentions to all those uh, to all those amazing uh t- television yeah so jabberjaw the band of from jabberjaw is not allowed in this uh steven sorry to sorry to dag nabbit we need to order for this draft uh for that we're going to go to random.org shout out to you this this uh podcast sponsored by random.org And I'm generating the order. And the order is Stephen first, Ryan second, and Nick third. Uh, of course, Nick gets the snake. All right. I get the, I get the hot corner. The hot corner. This is going to be a snake draft. So Just it means amazing. that. Uh, I mean, it, it brings a whole nother dimension. If you get the third Coachella. pick in the first round, you also get the fourth pick in the second round. So uh, Stephen will start. Ryan, you'll go next. And then I will go. And then I will go again. And then Ryan and then Steven and all the way back around till we each have five bands, five bands. We have a short list on the dock, but you can also choose from any memories that you may have of any other fictional bands. So uh, let's start with Steven. Who is the, your first pick for fictional band? The most meaningful, the most cohesive, the most present, um, the, 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 uh, the most that, you know, it's the closest home to me. The one and only. Stillwater! Stillwater. Oh, from Almost Famous. From Almost Famous, baby. You know, we were ta- so when we are talking about uh, fictional bands and like their fictional music, Stillwater has very good music. Bangers. Yes. Straight up. What was that one song? Fever, Fever Dog? Fever Dog. Remember Fever in Dog? the night. <laughs> Ryan, where are you at on Almost Famous? Are you an Almost Famous guy? You, you uh, 
you know, subscribe? You know what? It's just been so long since I've I've seen it. I think that I uh, I think I need to rewatch. Um, I do. I am a fan of the Eagles. Okay. I am a fan of uh, what's his face, the writer director, uh, Cameron Crow. Cameron Crow. I do. Cameron I do. Crow's. Yeah, it, it checks the boxes. I do think Cameron Crow is a little bit annoying. Yeah. Uh, can, yeah. Absolutely. Especially but, now. Vanilla Sky. But, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like. Uh, I, I read an interview when. Um, Who's the, the lead singer or the guy from the Eagles that passed away last year? Uh, Fry. Oh. Glenn Fry. Yeah. Yeah. Fry. Uh, he died, and Cameron Crowe wrote an article in Rolling uh, Stone. And he was talking about hanging out with them. And I've taken this bit of advice, and you guys might want to too. Okay. For people who drink too much, that immediately when you get to like parties, you're trying to like catch up with people. And he said that. He was Cameron Grove was given this advice by uh, Fry uh, when he was hanging out in his almost famous days. You know, when he was just a kid, and he came to a party and he would like drink too much because he was still like trying to hang with everybody. He's like, "No, nah, man, what you do is when you show up at a party, you immediately do two shots and drink a beer, and then you just you just you just continue to drink beer the rest of the night. So basically, like those two shots catch." You know, you caught up with everybody, and then you just like nurse your beer for the rest of the night, and you're like, keep it smooth. And I was like, oh man, that's like really good advice. Yeah, professional, practical, that's professional from drinking. A, from a rock star. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how rock stars do it. That's how he kept it clean for a 30 year rock career. Yeah, totally you know? died. Yeah, that's how he knows when the age. Totally died. <laughs> you know, hey, the Eagles. Well, the Eagles are really famous for their business acumen, so. I mean, anyway. uh, the highest selling CD of all time. Eagles, uh, greatest, Eagles greatest hits. Oh, man. I rock that. Yeah. The Eagles, the Eagles live, that, that live record, man. Oh, not the Maybe. fucking Eagles, man. Ryan, you're up. <laughs> okay. Uh, my first choice is the Eagles. Oh, wait. Uh, that's fictional. Um, we're going for uh, Marvin Berry. Mm. And the Starlighters. Yeah. Back to the Future. Yep. St- Stevie, it's your brother, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's how uh, you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. A good rock band. Uh so good. So good. Yeah. Taking their keys from uh uh white kid but a white kid who was influenced by a lot of good music so i guess they had that going for him but they they uh they were a good all all around a good band you know i'd be happy to be at the prom attended by them so many oh, yeah. so many proms in the 90s in those 90s movies all had like alternative rock bands and you're just like <laughs> you're just like we need we need to get some variety up in here and i feel like marvin berry and the starlighters could do that mm-hmm Nick, uh, what's your number one and your number two for that matter? Okay, uh, Stillwater since they're off the table. You, I just, I did really love them. Um, they're still here, so I on think that I think that I take Spinal Tap. Yeah, just, w- just, just from their uh, 
they're the most famous fake band their prolificness of them you know they have like a hundred albums they've had tons of drummers you know they have a whole documentary about them uh they actually have been on tour as a fake band multiple which almost makes them almost makes them a real band it's it's some of the world's funniest people all together writing all the same right just just the amount of the breadth that they have of actual music i think uh deserves deserves my pick i was hoping that i didn't have to pick them for being honest uh and then on the back back end of this i'm gonna have to go with uh the muppet band dr teeth and electric yeah Mayhem. yeah, yeah uh, fair. i really couldn't let them pass they no it was me or you seeing them at concert at outside there. lands and uh electric is an understatement all-time uh concert experience yes watch absolutely it, <laughs> watching watching puppets play music well they did they did some covers god i gotta go back i might have to go back and watch some uh iphone 2017 videos after oh, at the end of this yeah i gotta see if they uh they get their set on youtube's ryan who's your uh who's your next fictional band uh i think i gotta go for the blues brothers man yeah i get that i get that which i think just came out on uh recently but put out on netflix there's some streaming platform i got it's now i got streaming. very excited oh i, was, yeah. I thought you were gonna say blu-ray Blues one of the Ray. all-time oh, yeah. one of the all-time car <laughs> we brought this up on the podcast but the blues brothers is an all-time car wreck movie um a la gone in 60 seconds the original gone in 60 seconds very good yes yeah. very very good um all right well if i'm doing my two back to back for you Back to back, baby. My number two is going to be Steel Dragon from uh, <laughs> from Rockstar, and then uh, and then Otis Day in the Nights from Animal House. There you go. That, that's Otis Day in the Nights is a band that I didn't know was a fake band until I till this podcast till today. I've played I've played that version of Shout at so many weddings because I it, to me it's the real version of Shout. It's the better version than the Isley Brothers. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but it's it's the most livelier, uh, more livelier. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's more fun. Brothers. Yep, I get it. I get it. Yeah, that's my two three. Jerks. <laughs> Ryan, your third band. Third. <laughs> And we're thinking of this uh, as like a lineup, you know. This is your festival. This is your right. fictional band festival. Yeah. Who's who's? Uh, these are your headliners. I'm gonna go for sexual chocolate. <laughs> yes, come from, on, that's uh, a real band. Coming to America. <laughs> mm-hmm. That boy, good man. The first, I was a late, late, late comer to coming to America, and you were like, "Sexual chocolate is is an unbelievable band." Sexual chocolate, <laughs> dude. That uh, I was so disappointed in the the sequel. Oh, the sequel coming to America. Didn't expect it. I mean, to America coming coming. Is that a, oh god, it was just it was so sad. Okay, well, I gotta go, Josie and the Pussy Cats. Okay, um, two three. They've got incredible music, and Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reed. Rosario Dawson mm-hmm. up on yeah, stage mm-hmm. playing music for me. Yeah, man. Please, I'll ta- I'll, take ta- I'll take two. I'll take I'll take two tickets, and I'm going with me and myself. We get it. You like music, <laughs> and I was. Uh, they they they're actually a spiritual uh, cousin to this movie as well. I think. I think so. 
and then I got to go with my all-time favorite Irish band, Sing Street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you may nice. have heard. You may have heard of them. Only one of the maybe fifteen best movies ever made. Uh, Sing Street. Very band, debatable. <laughs> the middle schooler makes the band to impress a uh, a girl, and it turns into one of the greatest bands of all time. And uh, so if you're in, if you're in the mood for some, so just some good Irish fun, you know, pop on some Sing Street. I'm gonna well, tell would you. Would one say shenanigans? Oh, shenan, shenans, shenans, brother. You want some shenanigans over on Sing Street? <laughs> Could have had a better band name though. That's that's my only that's my only note. Two bands left for you, Ryan. What's your next one? Uh, I'm gonna do a Cantina band. The Cantina band. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, I just snuck it right from <laughs> right under all of our noses. Yeah. Figrin. Well, uh, <laughs> did you look at the real name? Figrin Dion Modal Nodes. <laughs> Wait, they have a real name? I guess so. <laughs> I I just looked it up. Uh, oh shit! But yeah, um, Cantina Man. Well, I was thinking like, uh, what would be great about having them in a festival lineup is that you'd have a, everybody be on drugs and they would just like keep playing that same song like over <laughs> and over again, and people would just be like, be so entranced by it and just be like, dude, that set was the sickest. It was like fucking three hours of them just playing that. <laughs> or it's the lady. No, it's the lady from uh, JavaScript. Oh my god! Yeah. She Wait. So she's insane. basically Tina Turner, right? Tina Turner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think she is. So. Stephen, your last two bands to close us out. Number uh, number four is going to be the Hard Walkers, uh, Dewey Cox's backing band. From, nice. uh, okay. Walker, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dewey Cox story, which I believe is also a top fifteen year? movie of all time. Uh the top top 15 biopic of a fake person <laughs> top five biopic of a of fake any, person of any of any person <laughs> of any, any biopic uh but then my number five um this is gonna be tough because the i know what everybody else is gonna choose my question tenacious d fake real band or real fake band uh real fake band okay just making sure because I, I i don't know if they started doing the skits first and then made the music second I think they did. They started out as the comedic duo Tenacious D doing stand up and then transitioned into making a movie. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll admit. I'll admit it. Um, it's going to have to be number five. It's Crucial Taunt from Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> God, they're so good. Tia Carrera so sounds sounds like a rock star. So that's why she would have been better as as Chaz in in Airheads. Yeah. You've made the case, and I agree with you. Yes, crucial taint. Ha. Nice. Five. Last pick, Brian. Who who are you rounding out your uh, festival with? You know, I th- who I think would be a real uh, showstopper. Is the ba- the uh, the band or the boy band from Turning Red? Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Four, uh, four together. I think four together. The number four, the number two together. 
Four Town. Four Town. Four Town. Yes, Four Town. Like O Town. I've heard a I've heard a lot of good things about Four Town. Oh, you're going for the go for the teen audience there. There you go. You You really get around it out. Very well rounded lineup you got there. Yes, you got you you got a little bit of everything for everybody. The boomers and the Gen Z are going to show up at yours. I want I want to make as much money as possible. You know. Yeah, uh, unlike you, I'm going to do. I'm going to do it for the love and nobody loves music more than Jack Black, not tenacious D, but his child band school of rock. Oh, the school gonna, of rock. Round out my, yeah. uh, round you out my festival. Piece of garbage. For those about to rock, we salute you. Even if you have ch- children working way past their working hours. Uh, honorable mention goes to, um, Oh my gosh! I just lost the beats. No, uh, the Sex Bobomb. Just because Sex, of- Sex Bobomb oh, yeah. was Sex Bobomb was close, but uh, they have, they have drummer pro- they, or bass problems. What did Scott play? <laughs> I think he was. A he was not reliable as 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 a band member. No, he wasn't. He's was too busy chasing tail. Yeah, uh, trying to tame some strange. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we did it. Uh, uh, do you want to do a genre? Do you want to do the genre? Let's just do final final thoughts. We'll we'll close it out. Close it out. Is this movie better than The Big Green? Uh, Uh, no, I don't know. Did you really watch The Big Green? By the way, you said you were last episode. (laughs) I said I was going to. Oh, brother. Well, our child's not allowed to watch no screen time yet, but right when we get into screen time, first thing we're going to show, first thing we're going to do is, it's going to be a soccer movie, the big green. <laughs> Ryan, do you, do you know what the big green is? Have you seen it? I don't, I don't know what the big green is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you, you have something to do. That'll be your uh, homework for, <laughs> for the next one. You can wait yeah, a couple Gotta years. watch it. Classic sports film. <laughs> Classic sports movie. About uh, kids from Texas who learned to underrated play soccer. On, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's just say that under it's a zero. Under. It's a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, let's let's re-rate this movie. Twenty nine percent. Yeah, it's at twenty nine. Yeah, it's, what's your new rating? What's your new rating? It's in the thirties for me, so I'm going to say thirty three percent. Thanks, thanks, and shout out to Larry Bird, the uh, inventor of of the slam dunk. One could say a signature. <laughs> Uh, move for uh, Larry Bird. Okay, <laughs> Ryan, what's your new rating for Airheads? I think I'd go as high as thirty-six percent. Okay, for myself, I just I have a soft spot in my heart for this movie. Uh, it's not the best movie ever, but uh, I think that it is underrated, literally by Rotten Tomatoes. Absolutely, widowedly. Uh, Underway. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna go forty. I'm gonna go forty. Whoa. Yeah, I think it's a D D minus territory yeah. here. All right. <laughs> I think it. You know, some people say, "What's your blurb, Stephen?" My blurb: Come for the music, stay for the witty banter. Oh. Because everybody thought they were going to watch a rocket movie and then uh, they stuck around and didn't walk out of the movie because of the nice little uh, banter. Banter. Okay. Mine is uh, not full of hot air, but lukewarm air for your uh, 
Airhead <laughs> needs. This ain't nitrous. Hair, hair. There's a hair metal thing in there somewhere. Maybe mm-hmm. there's hair, a hair in my metal. <laughs> hair heads. Hair heads. Hair heads. Bleep that out, Kyle. We need to <laughs> save that for later. We're gonna. <laughs> Ryan, do you have a blurb for the movie? Your one uh, one sentence yeah. review. Uh, get ready to get your dick heart stepped on. Hey, dick heart. <laughs> wow. You're stepping on my Hey, yo, what the fuck? Stepping on my dick heart. Yeah, no, I feel like it hit, you know, this movie's got a lot of heart now. Absolutely. We like to end the podcast with real recommendations. Uh, something that you, from media, it can be music, movies, podcasts whatever you want literature uh, books, books even yes we read hashtag read around here um do, start with baby? you Ryan. do you have any recommendation um uh i've had a hard time reading books since having children uh but i did just finish a book oh really wow congratulations thank you yeah i finished wow. the book um not listening actually reading oh okay page, great yeah even better turning pages yeah, because um, I don't count those ones because I have I've read it I've I've listened to a lot of books, but uh, I did. Uh, it's called Roadside Picnic, and uh, you know it's the inspiration for the uh, the movie known as Stalker. Oh uh, goes, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 gotcha. Yeah, Roadside and it picnic. was recommended to me by multiple people because they know I like sci-fi. And uh, it's really good. It's really interesting. And I guess it's part of this whole genre of uh, like Russian sci-fi that came out post, you know, World War II. um, That basically like all, basically you couldn't say anything bad about Russia at all. So all these sci-fi writers were doing it, you know, subverting their their thoughts on Russia and sci-fi. So uh, it's really cool. It's it's worth reading. And uh, I recommend. Okay. That sounds interesting. Absolutely. Steven. Uh just watched this today on the on the flight home. Um after realizing it's back on the Criterion uh channel in the Criterion collection. And uh you know, it just so happens to be a, a great a great noir film from the early nineties, Deep Cover, starring uh, Larry Fishburne, directed by Bill Duke, famous actor from Predator, um, Shaft, a few other movies, uh, but a prolific uh, director and directed this film. Uh, very good crime crime story. Jeff Goldblum plays a bad guy. Uh, very good bad guy. Very yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to shoot you. Yes, 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 guy. Really enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> deep cover was great. Highly recommended. Okay. Nick, what, what do you got? Watch the first episode of that show one day. Uh, Netflix, pretty pretty good. Based off the book from from the late aughts, so sure, sure. I've been hearing can't, can't recommend lot. it yet. Yeah. I rec- I'll, I'll even recommend tr- the new True Detective. You know, oh, you're not your you country. It? I finished night it. Country. Did you finish I, it? Yeah, I fin- we finished it last night. I thought it was. Um, it. I'll have to rewatch the last episode. Because uh, have I, you seen it? I have. I've watched it all. Okay. Did you? 
Yes, I finished it last night. That's why I didn't want to. I don't want to okay. talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, no, but I'm old. Were you on? Apparently, it's pretty divisive, uh, at least to the internet. But I thought, you know, it has its it has its flaws. It wasn't very subtle in a lot of ways, but I thought it was a fun it ended up coming together. You know, solid can, can ep- ask, six episodes of TV. Well, can I ask you guys a question? Uh, well, two questions. Last question. Trying- yes, last of the podcast. It- a was it trying too hard? B did it suffer from the same problem as uh, season one, where it's like they like spend all this time developing this this what could be really fucking cool, and then the last episode they're like, we're going to give you a solution that's like super basic that makes sense. Yes, <laughs> it makes sense ra- rather than it being like a spirit, you know. Uh, I think even more demon. so than the first season because it leaned so hard into like the the supernatural yeah. in this season like yeah. much more than even the first one that it ended up being kind of a okay you know but i do appreciate well, dude, when... I, I appreciate that it was something that i didn't see coming so you know i didn't even hear like the theory floated on some of the recap podcasts i listened to so at the end of the day, people like, dived into it and got really disappointed. I think oh, that's yeah. what the, it, it's a classic game. With, it was like the Game of Thrones situation where you know it can go all these different ways, and then they're like, Brand's the king, congratulations, Brand. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler well, alert. Like, I, I felt like when we were watching it last night and they finally showed like what was under the ice, and you see this like, like, like skeletal, yeah, it's like, the whale spiral. skeleton, yeah. <laughs> Was it a whale skeleton? I thought it was a whale skeleton. I, yeah, that's why I didn't watch it. I don't think it. so. I was think it? it's some sort of like a- ancient creature, like because it was in a spiral. It was like uh, yeah, it could be like, a prehistoric uh, aquatic uh, animal. That's what I initially thought was going to be the, right. Uh, the 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 twist is like they found like this archaeological dig site, and the mine was like trying to be like, nah, we need a mine, yo. Yeah, but the twist was that Salal was actually the people pushing. But I, but I mean, I, I, I like when they finally showed that whatever that thing was, I was like, yes, this is cool. This <laughs> yeah. is fucking something cool. And then they were just like, no, nah, we're just going to go. They were just going to, you know, that's just the even... set. It. Yeah, it's just the set. It. Yeah. It's nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And they went off. Yeah. Well, they were trying to resurrect that that thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Time was there's, some, there's some Jurassic Park vibes in here. But did you guys also notice the reference to the first one with the uh, time is a flat circle line? It's a sphere. Yeah, it was a little. They tried a little and, hard in that. A little hammy. Yeah, yeah, a little hammy. It's okay. You know, I'm gonna give it the real recommendation. Put the stamp on it anyway. Who cares? Who gives wow. a shit? Six episodes, stamp it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like also it's like uh, now, like Tita. Uh, my wife was, uh, yeah, ba- barely wa- like she was like watching it, not watching it, and she was like, she's like, what the fuck? They're really trying to make this night country thing a thing. Like they, they would, have, they like, said, really they said like, it so much. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. It was, uh, I was like, we get it. it there's yeah. no sun still, still no sun. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what was cool? A cool similar setting. My you friend like made this point. Uh, he said, "Oh yeah, this is like H.P. Lovecraft, like Arctic Circle, uh, Arctic Horror. If only, man, uh, it actually uh, really <laughs> See yeah, what did it way better with uh, 30, 30 Days of Night. Yeah, which which uh, just 
just watched at the bar the other day. Uh, at the play, bar, playing, <laughs> playing, 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 a, <laughs> playing a ghost town. Walked into ghost town three days a night on the on the. Yeah, on that the makes more sense. Yeah, it was dude. I work. I work two blo- I work two blocks from ghost town. No. Well, okay. I guess where we know where our next meetup is. Uh, th- as for That's... this meetup, it was great. Thank you, Ryan, for for coming on. Talking airheads. Thank you very much for having me. And as we always say, keep it real. Uh, stay rock.